0: Hello, and welcome to the Two Guys, Four Balls
1: podcast.
0: Hello, and welcome to another Two Guys, Four Balls podcast. With me, as always, is Julius, my co-host, my ride or die on the podcast. Uh, And welcome to the... The post-draft reaction podcast. We're going to go through all seven rounds. We're not going to go through all seven, but we'll go through all the picks for the teams and uh, kind of talk about the picks that stood out to us that didn't make sense, ones we liked, didn't like. Um, but first and foremost, before Julius gets into it, because he had the first pick, I'm going to answer some fan questions right off the bat. Uh, the first question we had, Julius, was, um, how do we think we did uh, in the round one? Because that's what we did our mock draft in. Uh, and okay. for, and for my And for my answer for that, Um, You know, we got five uh, correct picks. Um, You and I talked about this before the draft, and we said that this was probably one of the most, um, you know, interesting first rounds in a while that we didn't know what was going to happen or where people were going to go. I will say that we hit, uh, I think it was 26 out of the 31 people drafted. Uh, There were some people who jumped up. Uh, like an Anton Harrison who went 27 I had him going 32 to the seal so I mean still close uh, we had a Mozzie Smith um, you know uh, things of that nature uh, you know that we did some guys that we didn't have sneaking in uh, Jameer Gibbs I didn't say he'd get drafted in the first round but I did say if people remember you know he I would not be surprised if he went in the late first round now we'll talk about his pick later, but I did say that if people remember on our mock draft, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he snuck into the first round. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think we did well. We got five, you know, correct picks, uh, uh, the place where the guys got drafted. Um, and, and those picks were the first pick with Bryce Young and then CJ Stroud two, uh, will Anderson three, even though he went to the Texans and not the Cardinals. And then funny enough, um, the Patriots and Steelers, we both drafted for them. I was 14 with New England, and then you were 17 with the Steelers. They switched picks, which means the Steelers went to 14 and the, and the Patriots went to 17. Uh, and they took, and the Patriots took Broderick Jones 14, and the Patriots took Christian Gonzalez 17. So that was just kind of a funny um, thing that happened there with our picks. We picked the correct guys just on the wrong team, so we thought they would go that and where they went. Um but yeah, I mean, I feel like we were right there with most of our picks. Um, there are some picks we'll definitely dive into more. Uh, but how do you think we did with our mock draft and kind of just laying out who we thought would get drafted and, and where they would go?
1: Uh, I think more than anything, because we, you know, we picked one player per spot. But uh, for a lot of situations, we did talk about multiple players and uh, different possibilities that that were out there. So. We mentioned things like the possibility of Arizona trading out of three. I didn't know that they would trade out of three and then trade back up. I didn't know they would do that. But um, as I was doing that pick, I just said, hey, if Arizona's stuck here, I would take Will Anderson Jr. to be the best and safest non-quarterback on the board. And that that's essentially what another team decided to do. Um, I also talked about with the new England pick, I specifically said with that pick, that was a trade down candidate, depending on how the board broke in front of them. I think the board broke better than new England even thought it would. Uh, but that, that was a prediction as well. So those weren't necessarily player predictions per se, but just predictions on where there might be movement, where there might be volatility, where there are things to watch out for. And um, like, even with Atlanta, as I, I said with that pick, I, I called that pick the official beginning of the Bijan Robinson watch and that's right where <laughs> Robinson went so uh just things like that where we acknowledged in a draft where uh to be honest like once you got past the first maybe 10 or 12 prospects there just wasn't much separation from say the 13th prospect to the 50th there were a lot of players that had a lot of wide ranges even more so than usual of where they could go and uh, the other thing to keep in mind is all it takes is one team to, to kind of throw things off a bit. And so an example of that would be what the Jets did. Uh, we didn't have uh, Will McDonald, the fourth, in the first round, even though he was on my list of names for guys who could get into the first round. If the if one of the top four tackles in this draft got to the Jets' pick, they're not taking Will McDonald, they're, they're taking one of those tackles. And if Will McDonald doesn't get picked at 15 does not get picked in the first round? We'll never know. But that that's how delicate it was in this draft. And if you didn't get drafted in one spot in particular, the fall could be dramatic. And we saw that even, even with Patrick's favorite quarterback, Will Levis. Once he got past four, there just wasn't a clean landing spot for him to go to after that. So a lot of it came down to if player A doesn't end up here or if player A is not available here, then that can throw things off. So considering that i thought overall it was a solid job and and again some of it was our own opinions right i didn't honestly think zay flowers would be the first wide receiver drafted that was me saying to me he's the best fit for what tennessee needed to inject into their offense so you know considering that there was some of that mixed in as well where they weren't necessarily predicting what a team would do just kind of thinking hmm, what's what's a good fix in this situation? I think overall, uh, we hit our goal for what we wanted to do. Uh, so I have no shame with how it did. I thought it went very well, all things considered. And there's a part of me that's already looking forward to doing the next one.
0: Yeah, and just to kind of touch on some points that you made, um, for example, uh, if anyone listened to the pre-draft podcast, uh, I had the Falcons at eight. I said Devin Witherspoon because he was on the board. But as you said, this is the official Bijan Robinson pick. I also remember specifically speaking about they could use B. John Robinson because they, even though they had Algier last year as a rookie and he had a great um, yards per carry average, um, I said I would not be surprised if they took him in, the, in this position. And that's exactly where he went. So, um, and Kuiper and some of the other guys on the, if you're watching it on ESPN, it was funny. I felt like they were kind of just regurgitating what we said. I'm not saying they listened to the podcast. I'm just saying that there was a lot of the points that we made during our mock draft and pre-draft podcast that was reiterated on the broadcast Thursday night. So for me, I felt like our mock draft went well. Again, we're not up here going, "Hmm, let's try and guess all 32 first-round picks 31 in this year." Um, and see if we can be, you know, Miss Cleo, but we're just saying that if we were the GMs and we were drafting, this is who we would take. And then if there was a pick where we said we think the team would draft this person over this person, we said that. So I think you know I think overall uh, we did a great job and and we hit a lot of um, stats and facts and said a lot of things that either played out or as you said, this could be a trade down opportunity. Or we could see this person going here, and and that's kind of what happened. So. Uh, without further ado, Julius, uh, you had the first pick with the Carolina Panthers, so why don't we start with the Panthers and, and work our way down?
1: All right, so we talked about how much of the draft wasn't surprise or was unpredictable. Uh, one of the two or three things that was very predictable in this draft was the Panthers taking Bryce Young number one overall. Um, I talked about him in the pre-draft episode. Uh, I think he's the safest pick, especially – I'm talking about quarterbacks, the safest pick, especially if you can get past the size thing. And the size is a bit of a concern. Kind of reminds me of a Teddy Bridgewater type of build. Uh, So, that is a concern. That is a legitimate concern. But when you talk about just the precision he plays with and the ability to move around, the ability to create, he's going to have to do some of that in this offense. So, it's a good thing he has that skill set. I think it was the right move for Carolina after they made the trade. Again, I'm not Completely sold, I would have jumped up from nine to one. But after they did that, to me, Young was the best choice. Uh, again, just by a hair over Stroud, in my opinion. Uh, but I just think that he's just such a precise passer. And I think that's going to translate moving forward, even though he doesn't have the cannon arm. He's not he's not special as a runner. He's smart as a runner. Uh, just, you know, you have to look at the intangibles more than the tangibles here. Uh, But I think he's a solid high-floor prospect in this position. Uh, Looking at some of the other things Carolina did, they came back with Jonathan Mingo in the second round. You felt like, especially after trading DJ Moore away, you're going to have to get a receiver pretty early in this draft. Um, Mingo's out of Ole Miss, so you already know how most of those receivers are. He's a tough runner. He'll go up and catch the football. Um, not as consistent as I would like for a player going to the top 40. I'd like to see more game to game, week to week consistency. I also like to see more durability, even though he stayed pretty healthy his, his final year in college. Uh, so not necessarily the pick I would make, but certainly the position you want to target If you want to help uh, your young quarterback out. Of course, a pick I like is Chandler Zavala out of NC state. So now, you have a left side of your offensive line that features Iki Aquanu, who you took very high in the first round last year, and now Zavala back next to him. Zavala's already talked about how he feels comfortable being back next to Aquanu and just how much he learned from him while they were together at NC State. So uh, that's a great pairing there. Weirdly enough, even though Zavala's a left guard, they the Wolfpack would run to the right and have Zavala kind of roll out to the right or shoot out to the right to try to block there. So I want to see the Panthers use them a little differently than NC State did. I want to say just run behind Ipuanu, run behind Zavala on the left side of your line. Let those boys work, just run straight at defenses. This is a team that, even though we're talking about Bryce Young and receivers, this is a team that was run base last year. I don't think it makes sense to fully get away from that, even though you've got a new coach and staff in place. I think you should you know, play to your strengths some, let Miles Sanders work behind that left side, and uh, see what that gets you. But, you know, you could easily see what Carolina was trying to do early in this draft. And I'll just briefly mention a couple of defensive players they picked up. DJ Johnson, a speed rusher on the edge. He fits the mold of what they like, a kind of Brian Burns type, a guy who's going to be speed reliant on the outside. He can carve out a niche. And then uh, undrafted player, Bumper Poole, a linebacker out of Arkansas. He's somebody to keep an eye on. He was uh, productive in college pretty much the whole time he was there. Maybe not a whole lot of athletic special traits, but just the kind of guy who will probably make an impact somewhere on the team, even if it's just special teams.
0: Yeah. So obviously Bryce Young goes one. Uh, we all pretty much saw that coming. Um, we'll see how, you know, he'll fit in, in Carolina. And, we'll, and, we'll, and you know, I knew, I knew you would like the Chandler Zavala pick. Uh, again, I don't know if they were going with the Philadelphia uh, mentality of, Let's build a culture around guys who played together. But, uh, you know, that's that that offensive line. We'll have two NC State Wolfpack guys there. And then uh, Jonathan Mingo, obviously, after trading away DJ Moore, I felt like they had to get someone that they could try and build a rapport with Bryce Young. Um, Why not get another rookie where they'll probably work from day one together? So um, two SEC guys, you know, probably played against each other, probably know each other a little bit. Um, Definitely not mad. Uh, at, at the Panthers draft, I don't, you know, for me, I don't have it as my best draft class by any means, but I also don't have it as my worst. I think this, uh, draft, they definitely tried to address needs. And obviously we knew quarterback and wide receiver were need offensive line. Um, and they only had five picks because of the trades and stuff. So, uh, for having picks just, you know, only one pick in round one, two, three, four, and five, I think they did uh, a decent job. Of getting and trying to fill uh you know immediate needs for this team. And you know what? In the NFC South, anything is possible. So I would not rule them out doing any damage in the NFC South this year. Yeah. Uh moving on to the second pick, which was the Houston Texans. Uh, after all the smoke and noise, and they're not going to take a quarterback and blah, 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 guess who they took? CJ Stroud. <laughs> uh, so. Um, I don't think anyone was th- that surprised that they took CJ Stroud. Um, I think the thing that was surprising is they traded away their second round pick and a first round pick next year and some other compensation for to move back up to number three to take will Anderson jr um listen i like I like what Houston did in this draft. They had a bunch of picks. They traded some. I wouldn't have traded away the second round pick with the first round pick of next year because even though the AFC South is weak, um, I just don't know if I'm giving up a very high second round pick along with a potential very high first round pick. I would have traded in the first round pick of next year and then maybe a third round or something like that. I mean, I don't know what they were asking for. I don't know if that's what they had to do, but... Um, I love the players they got. I like C.J. Stroud that they got, I like Will Anderson Jr. that they got. Uh, I love the moves that they got. They needed a quarterback. They needed more uh, edge rushers and, and people that can get after the quarterback. Um, and then, obviously, they get a wide receiver, and uh, Nathaniel Dell, out of Houston um, in the third round. And then they picked up another wide receiver, but this is later, kind of a flyer pick with Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State. Um, and then they added another defensive end with uh, Dylan Horton from TCU. Uh, and then I will let Julius touch on some of the other picks here, but they also drafted two centers, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but again, this team needs a lot of help in a lot of places. Um, you know, I would have loved to see them address defensive back. I know they got a safety, uh, in the seventh round, but I, you know, I wish they would have gotten another corner. Um, but again, this team needs a lot of work. I like their first two picks a lot. Uh, I actually like, you know, again, Juice Scruggs as well, and again, I'll let Julius touch on some more of these guys, but, um, and Nathaniel Dell, but I actually like what the Houston did in this draft, Julius, a lot. I like the the direction that they're moving in.
1: I love the fact that a team that has just been on the mat for years now is finally deciding to try to get up off the mat. And you feel like with the Miko Ryans there, it's just a different energy. And I feel like his energy was reflected in their approach to this draft. Again, C.J. Stroud, Colbert Stroud, the fourth, to me, is right neck and neck with Bryce Young. It's right there. I think Bryce Young is just a little bit more precise as a passer, but I think these guys are 1A and 1B. You get the 1B quarterback, and I think you do just fine there. I was glad they made the right choice there uh, to not be petty. Not let all the kind of personal stuff and the reports and rumors get in the way. Just go ahead and take the best quarterback on the board. Let's get it going from there. Then you circle right back and you get Will Anderson Jr., who I was talking about as the best, safest non-quarterback or at least defensive prospect in this draft. To me, that says we are trying to fight back finally. So I love to see it, And of course... Keep in mind, D'Amico Ryan's where he played college ball, Alabama. No surprise. They go Alabama with Will Anderson and then come back later in the draft and pick up Henry To'o To'o, also from Alabama. So you can see the D'Amico Ryan's fingerprints on this roster already. And I just love that the Texans, after a couple of years, but they haven't supported their head coaches at all, they are finally supporting a coach. And of course, it's a guy who is one of the most respected players in the history of their franchise. So it's good to see that. Uh, you talked about Nathaniel Dell Jr. I'm not going to call him Tank because he's 5'8", 165. It's not Tank size to me. Not for the NFL anyway. I think he's going to be valuable both as a receiver and a return man. He's going to provide speed uh, to some offense that's going to need it and to a special teams unit that's going to need it as well. Uh, you talked about Frederick Scruggs. I'm not going to call him Juice because you're a center. Well, like, what, kind of, what kind of nickname for a center is Juice? But... You know, you can see this team working, trying to build up that offensive line. They took Kenyon Green last year with a first-round pick. So they follow that up with a second-round pick to get Scruggs. Uh, you talked about the other center, Jared Patterson. He can play guard as well. So you can play these two both at the same time on the offensive line with Kenyon Green. Again, you're starting to build things around your quarterback to help protect him. And I got to watch out for, again, another undrafted free agent, Z- Zavian X Valaday I talked about him in the pre-draft uh, just a superior athlete I don't know why I didn't get a combine invite that that shocks me but uh, this is a guy that even though he's an undrafted free agent he has the potential to be a three down back he knows how to succeed in short yardage situations find a knack for the end zone and is an explosive athlete so again just somebody to keep in the back of your mind I think is a great insurance policy for somebody like Damian Pierce and maybe even gets a change of pace role in this offense so I'm curious to see if he can make that roster moving on to the team with the fourth pick the indianapolis colts and you know this is where the draft started to this is one of the turning points in the draft uh the colts elected to go with anthony richardson over will levis despite the fact that a lot of reports out there said levis would be the pick here it's it's an interesting approach uh this this is the clear swing for the fences and don't care if you strike out kind of move right here uh anthony richardson you Well, I don't have to tell you, this man is arguably the most pure athlete at at the quarterback position, at least since like a Michael Vick or somebody, and maybe ever when you factor in the size. So you're banking on all of this raw ability developing into something that resembles a consistent NFL quarterback. I do absolutely believe this is the Jalen Hurts effect. Keep in mind, it's the Eagles' offensive coordinator who's over in Indianapolis now. If he's seen one quarterback clearly make strides to improve as a passer, and all of a sudden has gone from borderline NFL quarterback to MVP candidate to getting paid big time. So you can see how quickly uh, he believes, Shane Steichen believes it can change. Uh, again, I. I thought Hertz was a better college passer than Richardson was, so I think you're starting from a step farther back. But, again, the raw potential there is is there for Richardson. And so you get why it's the move. I'm a risk-averse person, so I would not have made this pick myself. There's too much risk too early in the draft for my liking, but at the same time, I understand that if everything breaks just right, Richardson could have an outstanding career. It's just that's a rich... It's a rich gamble there, but one that could pay off dearly. Uh, just quickly on some other players. Josh Downs is one of my favorite receivers in this in class. You get him in the third round. I just think he's a smooth receiver. Does a great job with crossing routes. Uh, does a nice job catching the ball in stride and making moves after the catch. I think he's going to be huge for Richardson's development because he can get Richardson those easy throws across the middle. of uh, Adabare. They got him in the fourth round. This is somebody who, based off his athleticism, we're talking about a 280-pound defensive end who ran a sub-4 or 5. You would think off that alone, this including that's not even considering the fact he was actually fairly productive at Northwestern. So uh, a shock that he fell to the fourth round, but that's a gain for the Colts, so that's a big move that I love for them. Um, they drafted Blake Freeland also in the fourth round. Again, we see this theme. You get your quarterback. Now we got to try to scramble for picks to protect that quarterback. So I like what they're doing, and uh, just trying to backtrack it a bit. Julius Brentz. This, this not, not just talking about how great his first name is, but Julius brentz You're talking about a six foot three corner who has decent speed and explosive athlete can jump with just about any receiver. If you want to talk about attacking the ball at the high point, so I thought the front end of the Colts draft was good. Uh, And I thought at the back end, they did a nice job of just kind of picking up some athletic guys who have some upside. But I I thought they did pretty good second, third, fourth round. But this draft is going to hinge on what they get out of Anthony Richardson.
0: Yeah, uh, when I made this pick, I definitely thought that um, they would take Will Levis just out of a... NFL, he fits the mold, looks like a quarterback type of type of pick, right? I um did not think Anthony Richardson would go this high. Not saying that I like Levis more than Anthony Richardson, because if anyone's listening to the podcast, they know that's not true. But um <laughs> just from a just from a you know Josh Allen, that's all you heard. That's all you heard Kuiper talk about for 17 hours during this draft is how good Will Levis is, and he reminds him of Josh Allen and blah blah blah. So, for them to take Anthony Richardson, um, like you said, it very well could be the Jalen Hurts effect. Um, I was definitely shocked by it, uh, and and it, like you said, it was one of the dominoes that started the fall for Will Levis. And um, yeah, so I mean, I hope Anthony Richardson has a great career, and I hope he proves a lot of people wrong. But it, and I know Julius has touched on this a lot. It, it's it's kind of scary to to go. Um, drafted quarterback who's only started one season and and couldn't beat out Emory Jones while he was there. So again, Anthony Richardson is a freak athlete. Um definitely has all like Joy said, raw athleticism that you want to see. Uh can he just have the culture and the team and the and the teachers around him to build that into an NFL quarterback? And I hope so because I think the game will be more exciting for it. Um Julius touched on Josh Downs and some of the other guys they drafted. I just want to touch on uh, Darius Rush. He was one of my diamonds in the rough for this draft, uh 5th round cornerback out of South Carolina. So hoping he gets he gets some playing time. Uh you know, they left they lost Stephon Gilmore in the offseason, so um hoping that uh maybe he will get some playing time. I think he could be a sneaky good pickup pickup for them. Um, you know, and then the rest of this draft for them was kind of just they had a lot of late round picks. So I feel like they were just kind of just taking guys that as Julius talked about, were kind of more like raw athletes take a flyer pick. If they pan out great, if they don't, we'll cut our losses. Um And, they, but they had touched, they had touched on their knees. They needed defensive backs. They needed a quarterback. Uh They need a lot of things. So they, they took a lot of those guys in this draft. So um again, I think they were very focused on, um just trying to you know they, they wanted to get the quarterback so they got the, their person or their person that they could get at four um and then from there it was just kind of filling out with athletic um guys that hopefully you know kind of pan out for them uh, moving on to the fifth pick which was the Seattle Seahawks um they took Devin Witherspoon, which I which shocked me, Julius. I, I did not see them taking a cornerback here, um, especially after the corners that they drafted last year and the late rounds, you know, panned out real well. So, not saying that not having more corners in the NFL is a bad thing, because you and I both think that it's uh, you think safety, but you know, defensive back is one of the most important positions in football, um, just with the way the game's played now. Uh, so, I don't. Not like this pick at all. I think the Seahawks probably had one of the best drafts um, in the entire out of of any team. So uh, there's they got all they had a lot of picks. I'm not going to touch on all of them, um, but I love the Devin Witherspoon pick. I thought he was the best corner hands down in the draft. I think he's going to fit in well with what the Seahawks like to do on defense. Um, And then with 20, they get I don't know how he fell to 20, but uh, no wide receivers were taken and then it went to uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba here. So, and I think they got the best receiver in this draft class. Uh, I know he had injuries and that kind of derailed his season, but uh, when he was healthy, man, he to pair him with DK and Tyler Lockett. That if Geno Smith stays the way he was last year, this offense is going to be scary. Um, then in the second round, they come around and get Derek Hall and Zach Charbonnet. Uh, I know you like him a lot, so I'll let you touch on the running back out of UCLA. But again, two more solid picks in the positions that they got them in, um, and and then again they just filled out. They got they got uh, some D linemen, they got some offensive linemen, and then in the sixth and seventh round they got another running back and a safety. Uh, a lot of people might know this running back is Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia. Uh, so you know, uh, watched the national championship game. If you watched any of college football this season, you probably heard his name uh, in college football. So. Um, again, though, this draft to me, I think they just, they killed it. Julius, This is, this is one of my top graded drafts classes draft of uh, for a team in this draft class.
1: I have to agree with you. And the ironic thing here is in years past, and I talked about this last year, usually I look at Seattle's draft board and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's what I think every year. They, they draft a the first-round pick or a second-round pick, and I'm like, why is that person even going in the first four rounds? It's usually the late rounds where I like what Seattle does, but not the early rounds. This year, not the case at all. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, I'm, I'm with you. I didn't think they would go corner in that spot. I thought they had other bigger needs. But at the same time, uh, you think back to the recent history of Seattle and the last time they were successful, it was with the Legion of Boom. So now you get Devin Witherspoon. The one thing I said about him during the pre-draft episode is this guy will hit you. He is the premier candidate with this style of play for a Legion of Boom Part 2 type of secondary. So from a cultural standpoint, I understand why the Seahawks made this move, because you just don't see a corner who hits the way Witherspoon does and can still cover at a very good rate. So love that move. Like you said, you come back. Seattle didn't need a receiver, but Jackson Smith and Jig was sitting there. I assume he was much higher than 20 on Seattle's board. So you go chase the value. Now you put him in, in a system where you already have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in place. So now, even though he's like, like I agree with you, Patrick, top, pros- the top receiver prospect in his class. He doesn't have to step in and be the guy right away. He doesn't even have to step in to be the second guy right away. He gets to go out there and go up against defenses that can't afford to focus on him. And we saw (laughs) his last healthy season at Ohio state. We saw how dangerous he can be when there are two other receivers around him that you have to focus on. So, you know, good luck containing this offense. Like you said, if Geno Smith is anything like he was last year, Zach Charbonnet to me, he was right there with Jameer Gibbs. As far as I'm concerned, I like Charbonnet as a three down back. He's always been a productive runner, a tough runner, a runner, again, another runner who can get you those short yardage. Uh, converges conversions Um, at Michigan. He didn't get to catch the ball a lot of the backfield UCLA. They let him do that more. So he proved that he can have three down value. And I just think to have that as a change of pace and insurance for Kenneth Walker, the third, we saw Walker get hurt last year. We saw the offense not be the same without a healthy Walker. Now with Charbonnet, even if something does happen to Walker, you've got Charbonnet there as a backup plan. I think that's a brilliant pick. I do want to shout out one of their fifth-round picks, uh, Olu Oluwatimi, just because he's out of DeMatha High School, PG County native. So that alone is enough for me to like the pick. You talked about Kenny McIntosh, another running back. I imagine him having kind of a J.D. McKissick type of role in this offense. Y'all was always love to have a specialist receiving back in their backfield, so he fits that. I also like Holton Ehlers. I talked about him a little bit in the pre-draft. And, you know, a lot of people had... Seattle going Anthony Richardson or taking a quarterback high. I said you don't need somebody who, who can fit in, fill in for Geno Smith right away. So I like the fact that they got a guy like Colton Ayers who's got this size, got a pretty good accurate arm. You can put him as a developmental project. If he never pans out, who cares? But I thought that that was the move to make if you're going to make any type of move at quarterback. And then one more guy I'm keeping my eye on Matt Landers, wide receiver out of Arkansas. You're talking about a six-foot-four receiver who runs a sub-4-4. Four four. We know what Seattle does when they can get a freakish athlete at the wide receiver position. So, again, with a loaded wide receiver depth chart, somebody like Landers can come in as a fifth receiver and be a matchup nightmare with his height and speed. So, just something to keep an eye on there. Now we are going to get into the team with that, that had the sixth pick. And that would be the Arizona Cardinals. To be honest, I wasn't sure what direction they would go in. Um, I wasn't sure. Again, picking at three is kind of an odd place to be because we knew they didn't need a quarterback. I thought they might just go with best on the board who isn't a quarterback. It seems to me like they targeted a specific position and a specific player based on the fact that they were willing to trade back up. So they get Paris Johnson Jr., Uh offensive tackle out of Ohio State. Now keep in mind, in the same draft where the Steelers picked Joey Porter Sr., the Cardinals that same year picked Paris Johnson Sr. Not talked about much, but you know that that came a full circle for a couple of different players in this draft. So Paris Johnson Jr., obviously the offensive lineman that the Cardinals feel has the highest upside. I talked about how I like Skaransky more. But I understand Skoransky is not 6'6". Skoransky doesn't have the long arms, doesn't have the pure athleticism that Paris Johnson Jr. does. So if those are the traits you're after, combined with the fact that he did play good football, this is not some type of project or something. He, he played good football at Ohio State. He moved around a bit on the line, so you get a little bit of versatility there. So I understand the move. Kyler Murray certainly approves the move, so a good deal there. Uh, you get B.J. Ojolari in the second round. He's got some tools. I'd, I'll have to see it at the next level. I'd like to see a little more explosion out of him uh, to get around the edge at the NFL level on a consistent basis. Uh, so, again, 41 might have been a bit high for me to take him. But, again, the Cardinals, the next pick was the it was, it was, it was 72. So I was sorry he wasn't going to be available at your next pick. So I get why they took him when they did. Uh, but Ojalari is somebody I'll have to watch to see if he has a higher ceiling than than what I imagine in my mind. A pick that I did like for the Cardinals was Owen Papow, a linebacker with a bunch of speed. He's he's undersized. He's not going to strike you. Uh, he gives up a little, little ground sometimes when he has to make a tackle because he's not a big guy and he plays in the box. But you can see him in space be a hitter. He did lay out Sean Clifford on a, on a run. So go, go, you can go look that up. That's a fun hit to watch. And uh, Owen Papow, which I, I wish his name was pronounced Papow because it's it spelled like it could be, but Owen Papow, he did get an interception on Bryce Young and Bryce Young didn't throw many. So that's a little bit of a claim to fame for him. So we're talking about a rangy linebacker, you a fifth round pick. So kind of low risk, but he's somebody I think can carve out a role on this team. Uh, so he's probably my favorite value pick for the Cardinals here.
0: Yeah, when the Cardinals traded down, um, I didn't know what to expect, what was going to happen, and they traded back up. And I, I was just as confused as you didn't know who they were eyeing, what they wanted to do. I don't think the Cardinals will know what they want to do half the time. Um, and then I'm not mad at the Paris Johnson Jr. pick. I think it's a solid pick. Uh, you and I both you know, like Skaronsky as well. Uh, again, though, Paris Johnson Jr. is a big human being, so, (laughs) you know, they, they may have just thought, you know, let's, let's pair tiny Kyler Murray behind Paris Johnson and maybe we can hide him out on some of these quarterback bootlegs, I don't know, so maybe that's the plan here for the Cardinals, but, um, you know, this draft was okay to me, I like, I like Ojolari in the second round, I think that was a good value pick for him, I thought, you know, I, I'd. I like him at LSU, um, you know, I think maybe he went a little higher than, but I think that's about right where he would have gone, uh, for most teams, uh, Garrett Williams, a cornerback out of Syracuse, you know, I think that was a solid pick as well, um, but I think, I think Kyler Murray needs to watch his back with his Clayton Toon pick, uh, out of Houston, I think, I think, uh, I think the Cardinals are trying to replace Kyler already, Julius, you know, I just, you know, fifth round quarterback, watch out, um, if Owen's name was Papal, I, I can only see um, stepbrother gifs his entire career. I mean, pow, pow, you know, so uh, good. maybe it's a good thing for him that he's not. Uh, this was just an okay draft for me. Um, I do like the Paris Johnson Jr. and Ojalari picks. Um, after that, you know, I guess, I mean, in every draft, the jury's out until they play a snap, but um, just seems like They didn't really – it was just – I don't know. This draft just seemed kind of all over the place for me, Um, for the Cardinals. You know, they didn't address running back, and I feel like they haven't for years on this team. I feel like they've never had a consistent run game uh, besides Kyler Murray, and you don't want that to keep happening for your franchise quarterback. I mean, I know it works out well when it works out, but um, I don't know, man. I just just wish they would have maybe addressed more key areas – uh, for me. And again, offensive line was a big need. Uh, But then after that, I just felt like this draft was kind of all over the place for, for, for the Cardinals. Um, I'll let you start seven since that is your team.
1: Uh, so I will say this. Usually I am pretty angry after the first day of the draft as a Raiders fan. Last year was really nice cuz you know you traded the first round pick for DeVonte Adams, no worries at all. Uh this year I can't be upset with the pick at 7. You go with Tyree Wilson. Uh somebody Patrick and I we we would have been totally fine if he went top 5, maybe even a bit higher than that. Uh so you get him at 7, that's pretty decent value. I've talked about how the Raiders need to at some point commit to the idea of having more than one capable edge rusher. So now you bring in six foot six, Tyree Wilson, who, you know, they've talked about his arm length and everything at all, all the time. I'm impressed by the fact that somebody, his height is able to get around the corner the way he does. And so I have high hopes uh, for this pick. And that's, that's not something I've said about a lot of Raider first round picks. So I was pleased there. I would have preferred to take Jalen Carter here. I think he's the more dominant player, and I felt like he was worth the risk at this point. But the Raiders have their reasons for not feeling too comfortable with that situation. So it is what it is. You take Tyree Wilson here. I guess the safer for this franchise to go that route. And again, it it addresses a need with the best player on the board at that position, in my opinion, at the time. So uh, not too many qualms about that. I wasn't too thrilled about trading up to go get Michael Mayer. Uh, I think he's going to be a solid player. Don't get me wrong, and the Raiders' tight end death chart, chart was uh, looking a bit rough. So there's an understanding for why there was so much uh, put on as uh, put on, you know, getting this pick, moving up, having that sense of urgency to go get this pick, and I, I just think that. The ceiling is capped for Michael Mayer. That's, that's my only issue with it, With it, is that I think he's going to be a good player. I don't see, like, a potential for a great player. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. He was a very solid college player. I uh, was nicknamed Baby Gronk, wears number 87. That was overhype. But he should be a good, solid player, a guy who can go up and catch jump balls, a guy who's a solid blocker, so Josh Jacobs should like this pick. Um, so again, it's a decent pick. It's not, it's not a miss. It's not one of those head scratching type of picks that you get used to from the Raiders. Um, it's not again, the most inspiring pick to me, but it's not a bad pick. So two solid picks to start off the draft is very un-Raiders like I'll take it. Um, as the draft went on, you kind of, you kind of felt like it was a more traditional Raider draft. Uh, I didn't see the need to go get Trey Tucker in the third round. Uh, speedy receiver and potentially help on special teams. But again, I just felt like the third round was unnecessary considering other team needs, considering the need to continue to address the defense. I did get Byron Young, and I won't complain about getting a defensive lineman out of Alabama, but I wish there was more continued focus on the defense instead of going out and getting the mayor and the trade, especially the Trey Tucker types uh and again you go get your corian and bennett a four three forty guy it felt like the pure al davis pick there again a decent player uh very good athleticism again an al davis special right here uh i do think our secondary needs a little more size on the outside so that's why that's my one concern about that pick but uh certainly nfl level a- athleticism uh, and then the rest of the way he's then you started to see a bit more of a defensive focus throughout the rest of the draft so that, that was nice, but I wish there was continued focus. I almost wish the whole draft was focused on defense with, with the way our defense has looked for as long as it has. The good thing I'll say is that the Raiders did sign Drake Thomas, linebacker out of NC State. Has all the intangibles you want at the position. All right, just a bit undersized, and he doesn't have necessarily the athleticism that makes you think he'll overcome the lack of size. But when you watch him play, very instinctive player, quick to react to where the ball is good in coverage. I think there's a way that he can eke out a spot in this T defense, especially considering the lack of linebacker depth for the Raiders. So he's certainly somebody for a couple of reasons. I'll be keeping an eye eye out for.
0: Well, you know, my number one pick from this draft for the Raiders, (laughs) 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 there's a minute, um, I get to root for for Terps. If, it, if Terp gets drafted, I'm rooting for him in the NF. I don't care what team they play for. So now the Raiders are going to get some love from me. Um, I will say this about Bennett. I know you were a little upset because you think he's a little undersized at corner. Um, but he did play opposite of Deontay Banks and held his own when Deontay Banks was shutting people down. Not saying that he is a De- Deontay Banks type corner because he's not. But he definitely has athleticism and definitely is good enough, I think, that he will make an impact on your team. Um, I clearly like the Tyree Wilson pick. I had him going six in our mock draft, uh, to the Lions. So I think he, as long as that foot is okay, I think yes, that's, that's yes. a great pick. Um, I know you were not a fan of trading up to get Mayer. Um, I think he's going to help out not only in the passing game for Garoppolo, which we know with Kittle, uh, whenever he was allowed to Garoppolo used, uh, Kittle a lot. So I think he'll use Mayer very similarly to Kittle. I don't think he is a Kittle type player. Uh, no. but I think he is a, obviously they traded Waller. So you needed to, you need to get somebody. So, um, and I think he's going to help in the run game cause he's a really good blocker, probably the best blocking tight end. That was a top prospect tight end. That could also catch the ball. Not one of those extra offensive linemen out there, uh, at playing tight end. So, um, I think he'll help in the run game. Um, obviously Byron young, I, I, we both like that pick. The Trey Tucker pick was a little, I think of a reach, I don't know if y'all needed a 58 wide receiver uh in trading up for him so um you know I yeah I'm, I'm, I don't I don't dislike Trey Tucker you know but I just I, like you said I feel like that was kind of a you know shout out to to Al Davis right there um Aiden O'Connell I don't know if I would have taken him in the 4th round um I mean don't get me wrong he had a decent career at Purdue but um <laughs> he also had wide receiver a wide receiver that got drafted so um Anyway, so yeah, the rest the rest of your draft, then you know they just kind of picked up some defensive guys like you already talked about. I won't touch on that, but I liked what the Raiders did. Um, I think they did go after needs. Um, again, they they got a defensive tackle, they got a, a defensive end, they they got a corner, um, and then the tight end. Obviously, trading away your starting tight end from last year, um, they needed a tight end. So at, at least they went for need, and at least they didn't just go for speed and and not need at, as well as they do sometimes. So. Uh, For the Raiders, I thought that this was, you know, a a pretty good draft. Uh, We'll have to see how everyone pans out. Like I said, as long as Wilson's foot is okay, I think that's going to be a great pick for you and hopefully uh, Pam him on the other side and and you guys can get more pressure uh, from your front four. Uh, Moving on to the eighth pick, which was the Falcons. We already know. We talked about this. They they took B. John Robinson with their first pick. Uh, I like Robinson. I think he is um, very like Saquon Barkley-ish, um, you know, and I know Julius I said Ezra James. Uh, I said maybe a little bit of Marshall Falk. I don't think he's as as explosive as Marshall Falk was, but I still think he has the the same ability as Marshall Falk, like with pass catching and things like that. Um, and I, I like this pick because we know the Falcons are going to run the ball, so we know they're going to use him. Um, but just looking at drafts in the past, uh you know I, and looks I love Saquon he plays for the Giants but injuries obviously have hampered his career but when he's healthy it's great but there's other guys in the draft that we drafted Saquon second that I wish we could have maybe drafted besides Saquon uh and I like Saquon I think he's a great running back I just running back is being devalued in the NFL and taking one in the top 10 when there's other um prospects out there like a Jalen Carter who was my number one prospect uh right up there with Will Anderson Jr. in this draft um which was also a need for this team so I I I would have taken Jalen Carter if I was the GM if he fell to eight and I'm sitting there and that's nothing against B. John Robinson again I think he's one of the best prospects in this draft on the offensive end. I think he is a game changer and for this team it makes sense uh Julius I just eight with Jalen Carter sitting right there, I think I would have had to pull the trigger on Jalen Carter personally. Um, and then to pair with Bijan Robinson in the second round, they they get Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse and a guard. Um, and then then they start drafting defense to, to fill out the rest of their draft. And then they you know in the seventh round they took a safety and a, another guard. Um, but they got Zach Harrison out of Ohio State in the third round, and Clark Phillips, a corner from Utah, in the fourth. But uh, this this draft class is going to solely focus r- and realistically around Bijan and, and Matthew Bergeron and see how they can pair together in that offense. Um, you know, again for me, I think it's too high. I would have taken Jalen Carter, but I can't. I'm not mad because at least we know with the Falcons they're running the
1: ball. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head uh, with that last statement. The Atlanta Falcons are going to run the football. They showed last year they'll run the football with whoever they have back there. Uh, it didn't matter if they, they had a, a converted defensive back getting carries at one point. So the uh, Atlanta's going to run the ball. That that's their identity. Um, you know, they got the coach over from Tennessee that that's the identity run the football. So if there's any team that's going to get the value out of taking a running back in the top 10, it's going to be the Falcons. And like you said, Patrick, I compare Bijan Robinson to Edron James. I think he's that elite of a prospect as a running back, even though he doesn't have that, you know, necessarily the most explosion or the most long speed or whatever. This is a guy that's just well-rounded, no real weakness to his game. He's got adequate speed, good power, good vision, like you said, catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, this is a guy who never has to come off the field. I'm curious to see if there's going to be times where he shares the field with Tyler Algier because, you know, Algier had a solid season. He got stronger as the season went on last year. I almost feel like he deserved a better fate <laughs> than have Bijan Robinson picked here. But I think you can't just completely move Algier out of the offense just because you got Robinson. But uh, there's no question. Robinson's going to get the ball a lot. He's going to have opportunities to get the ball in space. The Car- uh, excuse me, the Falcons are going to get their money's worth out of this pick. Uh, you can believe that. And I'm not one of these people who feel like you can't draft a running back here. I'm not worried about what a draft pick looks like 10 years from now or even seven years from now. I'm, I'm worried about can he help my team win now and within the next couple of years. Bijan John Robinson can do that for you. I would have been tempted by Jalen Carter here as well. But at the same time, I feel like considering what happened at the end of his college career, it's probably best for him to get out of Georgia. I felt the same way um, when uh, Tyron Matthew was coming out of college. I felt like anywhere but New Orleans was the place for him to go just to kind of get away from Louisiana and have a fresh start. And these guys, again, I don't think they're bad people. I don't think they did anything terrible. But at the same time, sometimes you make a mistake and you just need a fresh start in a new place. And so that's why I would have had hesitancy to take Carter. If I was any other team in the league located anywhere else, I would have gladly taken Carter. Unless maybe Jacksonville, that's still a little close. But uh, I like the idea of going Robinson here. Uh, Bergeron is a bit of a surprise just because I figured with their system, they would kind of want more of a mauler uh, on the offensive line here, considering how much they're going to run the ball. Uh, Bergeron, is he's mobile. Uh, he's, he's not all, all that p- powerful at the point of attack. So I just thought that it would get somebody who's uh, more of a road grader, so to speak. Uh, but this Bergeron pick speaks to me as a pick that says we're going to do a lot of stretch runs. We're going to run to the outside a lot, and we need a mobile offensive lineman who can get to that spot. And Bergeron can do that for you. Um, outside of Bijan Robinson, my favorite Falcons pick was Clark Phillips III. You talked about him, corner out of Utah. He is a bit undersized, but he's like the next best thing to Emmanuel Forbes in his class as far as a playmaking corner. He had six interceptions last year, three against a bad Oregon State team, so that number's a bit inflated, and a couple of pick sixes. So this is a guy who will go and attack the football. He's especially dangerous when you try to throw stop routes and quick outs on him he comes down aggressively on those routes and he'll look to take the ball back to the house every single time. So you have an aggressive corner. I think he can fit in very well in the slot with Atlanta and he's going to be somebody to keep an eye on because if they try those quick throws, he is going to attack them relentlessly. So I like that pick for Atlanta. Getting on to everyone's favorite team in the draft this year unless you are a fan of a team in the NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles moved into the nine spot to take Jalen Carter, the guy that we thought would go multiple spots earlier. This is just a tremendous pick. I mean, just a tremendous pick to get arguably the best overall prospect in the class, certainly the best defensive tackle, and you put him in a position where he's going to feel insulated because half of his kind of teammates are going to be there with him. So it's just, it, this is, to me is the ideal situation for Carter. You get to go to a defensive line that already has good depth. But at the same time, they did lose a key piece that went out to San Francisco and Javon Hargraves. So there's a natural fit for Carter to slide right in and be an impact player from day one, again, without having all the focus on him because you're still playing on a very good offensive line. I just think this is the dream scenario for Jalen Carter as well as the dream scenario for the Eagles. Uh, Then the Eagles come back, and I, I just, I cannot understand how Nolan Smith Jr. falls to pick 30. I just, I don't understand how that happens. I don't understand how apparently only the Philadelphia Eagles realize that, the Georgia football program is pretty good. You, you might have noticed they've been pretty decent the last couple of years. Their, their defense has been pretty decent. Apparently, only the Eagles know that. Apparently, only Howie Roseman knows that. So you get Nolan Smith Jr. We are talking about an edge rusher who runs a sub 4 And just And not just runs that sub-4-4, because 4, 4, that makes you think maybe he's just a finesse guy. He will go right at your right tackle. I mean, he would go right at him, punch him in the chest, and use physicality uh to rush the passer. So a dynamic speed presence who's not afraid to get physical with the 30th pick, that just that just blows my mind. So off of those two picks alone, to me, the Eagles would have run won the draft off of just that. Uh you're able to go back and they get Sidney Brown in the third round. I think he's somebody who can be a presence, that's the guy who feels, you know, Patrick, you drafted a safety for the Eagles, acknowledging that they had a need there. Sidney Brown feels that need. I think he steps in as a natural fit and becomes a contributor in this defense from day one. I like his physical presence on this team. Another highly athletic player added to this defense. You get Keely Ringo, another Georgia guy in the fourth round. I mean, just, just unbelievable, unbelievable. And then uh, even Moro Ajomo, You get him in the seventh round. That's somebody who could have easily gone in the fourth round, so the Eagles get a value pick there. Then you go to the undrafted pool. You get Ben Van Summeren, who is one of the most athletic linebackers in this draft. I'm just not sure why he didn't get picked. Decently productive at Michigan State. To me, he has the athletic profile to replace Kaiser White right away, even though he was undrafted, so he's a name to watch. Uh, Then they go pick up a couple of corners to include Eli Ricks, Out of Alabama and LSU, Eli Ricks a pretty good player. It doesn't always show up on tape. That's why he went undrafted. But we're talking about a six-two corner who stood out in an LSU defense that featured Derek Stingley Jr. at one point, who had moments here and there at Alabama. It hasn't been consistent. But if you can get somebody like Eli Ricks who does have shutdown moments on tape, to get him as an undrafted free agent and add him to what should be a flourishing cornerback group, that's just amazing to me. So the Eagles. Whether you're talking about the first pick, the last pick they had, or the free agency pool, they just had a great weekend.
0: Yeah, listen, I have no idea what all the other GMs and owners and teams in the NFL are doing. I had Brian Branch going to them with their second pick in this draft. I understand why they took Nolan Smith instead of Branch in this position. (laughs) Um, How he's on the board at 30 – mind-boggling that just doesn't make sense um you talked enough about Jalen Carter Nolan Smith though I won't talk to them we everyone knows how we feel about them we had them going very high in this draft um and then they got the safety you are talking about sitting around in the third round and then I also talked about them trying to get younger at the offensive line and they get Tyler Steen out of Alabama in the third round too um so how Ringo falls to the fourth round uh, also I don't understand um yeah, this their entire draft class. It just felt like they were getting handed players that should have been drafted around or 20 picks earlier. And it just doesn't, I just don't. As soon as they traded up to nine, I knew they were going to get Jalen Carter. I knew they were like, we're not going to let anyone else trade up and get him. This is who we're going to get. And and again, I don't think he's a problem child. I mean, how many kids that age drive their cars fast? Like, let's just. It's unfortunate what happened, and I'm not trying to downplay what happened. Anytime someone loses their life when it didn't need to be lost, it is a serious issue. I'm just saying, I know, I did, and I know a lot of people that I, almost everyone I know, has driven their car fastly in some at some point in time in their life, normally when they just gotten their driver's license or are younger. So, um, I don't think he's, like, I, I don't think there was any malice or, or ill intent in what he was doing. I just think he was just being a young, dumb kid excited after winning a national championship. So, um, But again, he's going to a team that has a bunch of his friends, a bunch of his teammates. He'll probably live in close proximity to them. They'll probably hang out. So I I just think that the rich get richer, and I'm a Giants fan, and I think that the Eagles probably had the best draft in this. Again, the Seahawks are up there for me as well, Um, but... The, the rich get richer. And, and for a team that went to the Super Bowl, you normally don't see the team that went to the Super Bowl, either of them, come out as probably the best draftees. That's unheard of, and that's pretty much what happened in this draft. And it's infuriating that it was even allowed to happen. It, I Again, I just don't understand how they got half their picks. Um, <laughs> moving right along to the 10th pick, which was the Chicago Bears... Um, taking Darnell Wright with their first pick. Uh, Again, we knew once a tackle went off the board, it would probably be a little, um, you know, waterfall effect, and the dominoes would start falling. That's pretty much what happened. So, Paris Johnson went six to the Cardinals, and then, you know, you you had a couple ends and tackles, and then here comes Darnell Wright, and we'll get into the other picks later. But the tackles kind of went the top three. Um, I think this is a great pick. You and I have talked about their offensive line, ever since Fields was drafted and how it was a JV offensive line. So this is definitely a uh, need pick. I think it was their highest priority need. So I'm glad that they were able to um, uh, get that addressed, And I think they got an absolute stud in, in Darnell Wright. Um, and then they come back in the second round and address their other side of the line, which was also a need. Um, again, it. If the Bears would have taken Jalen Carler at nine, I would have been okay with that as well. But I think they did address their biggest need at offensive line, um, even though their defensive line also needs work. And they come back and get Javon Dexter out of Florida. Um, and in the third round, they also get Zach Pickens out of South Carolina. So they went defensive tackle, <laughs> defensive line heavy, and they went defense heavy the next three picks. Uh, they also picked up Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami, the corner uh, in the second round. And then... And then they just, you know, they they address a lot of defense in this draft, which their defense struggled all year. Um, they get they get another running back, and then they get a wide receiver. And I'll let Julius touch on these picks, but um, you know, just just it was a it was a solid draft for for the Bears. I think they again addressed a lot of their needs and a lot of their, um, you know, problem areas on their team. Um, but you know, I, I just. I like I like Darnell Wright and I like and I like their uh, second pick with um, the defensive tackle out of Florida, Javon Dexter. Uh, again, I think a lot of this draft what for them was just need, need, need. And again, this team went three and fourteen. You saw flashes from Justin Fields, uh, but you just need more. Uh, and if Claypool doesn't pan out, uh, they're going to be very upset that they they traded that pick away.
1: Yeah, that, that did hurt to trade away what ended up being the 32nd pick of the draft, literally higher than you ever thought it could be because you thought you traded a second rounder, trade the 32nd pick, which is almost always a first rounder. So that, that's got to be a little tough for you. Uh, but that said, even with that wasted pick, uh, like you said, that they, they knew what their needs were. They knew they needed to address the offensive line on both sides of the ball. I said... Skaranski would have been my pick for the Bears, but I said, I don't care who the pick is as long as it's an offensive tackle. Please save Justin Herbert. I mean, excuse me, please save Justin Fields. Justin Herbert's getting saved enough. Darnell Wright, again, you're going with the pure skill set. You're going with six, five, very long arms, the biggest of the offensive tackles that were at the top of the draft. Uh, So you get what they're trying to go with there. Uh, you feel like if every one of these offensive tackles reaches their absolute ceiling, Wright might be the guy who ends up being the top one. So I see that they're chasing the upside here. Again, I would have gone safer, but I understand the chase for the upside. Uh, Darnell Wright can be the most dominant of the tackles that went highly in this draft, and so I'm sure that appealed to the Bears, especially as a team that you know even though you've got a franchise quarterback they're still going to want to establish the run so they're going to want somebody who has kind of that that nasty aggressive demeanor on the offensive line and that, that's Darnell all right so uh he does address a need for this team uh then like you said they go and you get a couple of defensive tackles knowing you have to address that side of the ball right at the line of scrimmage as well uh you get tarik stevenson who has an excellent athletic profile to add to the secondary i'd like to see more experience added to the secondary. I think they're a little too reliant on too many young defensive backs right now. But if you get a little more veteran leadership in there, uh, somebody like Stevenson could pan out and be a nice corner to pair with somebody like Kyler Gordon. I do like the fact that they did go back in the fourth round to trying to help out Justin Fields because the job's not finished when it comes to helping Justin Fields. They were just that far in depth as far as offensive talent goes so you go get rashawn johnson and credit to rashawn johnson to, to be the running back behind Bijan robinson and still get noticed enough to get drafted in the mid rounds you're doing something right and, and so you know the bears noted his pass protection that's going to be huge again something else helped justin fields and when you look at the bears backfield you talk about deontay Foreman, and you talk about khalil herbert two running backs i like especially herbert but neither one is really Much in the passing game, so now you get a passing down option somebody who can be that check down option, somebody who can be a third down option for Justin Fields out of the backfield. That's helpful. Then you add Tyler Scott, great speed, a bit undersized out of Cincinnati, but again, great speed, excellent deep threat, and he will make tough catches on the boundaries, even though he's a small speed receiver. To me, this is a wake up call for Valus Jones Jr., he had a terrible rookie season. Tyler Scott can do a lot of other things as a receiver as Bayless Jones could do. So if if Jones doesn't step his game up, somebody like Tyler Scott could be coming for his position. And lastly, I just want to give a shout out to Travis Ball, defensive tackle. He is the first Kennesaw State player to ever be drafted in the NFL. So that's a great moment for him and yet another defensive tackle for the Bears. So that lets you know uh, what they thought was a major, major uh, position of concern but i just wanted to give him a quick shout out because it's always nice to see a little history made in the draft moving on to the tennessee titans who had the 11th pick uh they did end up taking peter skaranski i thought they would go wide receiver here uh just because again this offense is just difficult to watch at times uh this offense struggles for big plays at times so I thought they might go there early. They do go with Skoronsky, which you're not going to hear me complain at all about going and getting To me, he is very close to being a can't-miss prospect. He might, again, he might not be the greatest offensive lineman that comes out of this class, but he's the one I'd be most surprised by, by a wide margin, if he's not a good player, or not a really good player for this team. So the Titans did need offensive line help. You did lose Taylor one. He uh, did lose other pieces on this offensive line. So that was a need. So I thought it was a good pick for a position of need. And that's what you want to do at the top of the draft. Then, of course, second round comes. An opportunity presented itself that they probably didn't expect going into the draft. And that was the opportunity to trade up in the second round, not the first, to get Will Levis. Now, I will say this. If you believe in a quarterback. And you're sitting there in the second round with a fairly high pick in the second round. And you see a quarterback slide past teams that do have potential quarterback needs, a team like Tampa Bay. I would think you would want to do what the Ravens did a few years ago and trade into the back end of the first round to get a guy like Will Davis. Because then you get that fifth year player option. You can decline that option if the guy doesn't turn out to be what you think. If he does turn out to be what you think, you get a bargain for that fifth year. Even though the salary jumps, it's still a bargain compared to... You you see it with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts didn't have a fifth-year option because he was a second-round pick. And now he's he's got one of the highest contracts ever. So it can happen in a hurry. So I thought if Tennessee was going to draft Will Levis, it made more sense to try to trade to 29, 30, 31. Now, maybe they did try that, and none of those teams are willing to listen. But... I felt like that's what Tennessee should have done if there was any chance of that happening. That said, you go get Will Levis. I think this is a good landing spot for him. Again, I'm not necessarily sold on who he is as a player, but the raw talent is there. Now he goes into a situation where, A, he doesn't have to start right away, and, B, it's a run-based offense, so you don't have to come in there and immediately try to throw 40 passes. They're going to utilize Levis' skills as a runner at some point in this offense. I think he'll immediately be the number two quarterback in this offense, and there's going to be thirst for him to be number one because everybody's kind of turned on Ryan Tannehill there. So I think at this point of the draft, it was worth gambling on Levis' skill set. I wouldn't have done it in the top five or anywhere near there, but at 33, I'm comfortable with this pick for Tennessee. Uh, the rest of the draft, you go get Tajay Spears, a nice slashing type of running back out of Tulane. Uh, makes sense. This is the part of the draft where the Titans have drafted running backs quietly uh for a few years now they've drafted guys like you know a Darrington Evans type of running back right around this spot so that continues uh what they normally do uh but considering that Derrick Henry there's all kinds of rumors uh that he was going to be traded that didn't come to fruition but I don't believe that where there's smoke there's fire so considering that Derrick Henry might be on his last leg with the Titans Tyje Spears may have a bigger role than some of these other past backup running backs uh, the Titans have drafted. And then I will leave to Patrick the athletic offensive lineman. Uh the Titans took later in the draft.
0: Yeah, so uh Skaransky, um, again, you knew there was three tackles that you knew were gonna go in high in this draft, and and the Titans got a good one. He, he was both of our highest-rated tackle uh in this draft. Uh, I feel like too much was made about his arm length and size and all that stuff. If you can block, you can block, right? Uh, and it's not like he had scrubs that he was blocking at Northwestern in the in the Big Ten. So, um, uh, yeah. So you know, um, Levis in the second round. I'm with you. If if you're going to take a quarterback, try to slide in to get that fifth year option. Look what happened with the Giants. We didn't we, we didn't use it with Daniel Jones, and now we're paying him lots of money. For Daniel Jones. So, uh, you got to utilize that fifth-year option when you can. Um, I'm not surprised that the Titans took him. Uh, you know, new GM. Uh, he didn't draft Malik Willis. Uh, Vrabel clearly didn't like Willis last year uh, to go and, and, and sign and start Dobbs whenever their playoffs are on the line. So, um I just feel bad for Willis. Uh, I feel like everyone besides the Titans knew he was kind of like a project quarterback and, and to, and to try to like nurture him and get him ready. And and I feel like they gave up on him before even giving him a chance. So um, maybe he stays on the Titans. Maybe he doesn't. We'll see what happens with his career. I really do like the Ty J Spears pick uh, out of Tulane. Um, And yeah, and I don't, know what was going on with Jalen Duncan. I don't know how he fell to the sixth round. I think this is a super steal of a pick for them, uh, the tackle out of Maryland. Um, he was projected almost all year as a first-round, high-second-round pick uh, coming into the season, during the season. So I don't know really what happened here uh, with him sliding all the way down to the sixth round. But I I think the Titans got a steal with Jalen Duncan, not just because he's a Terp, uh, but he was just projected to be a high high draft pick and and just to see him slide down to the sixth round is uh kind of astounding to me um yeah so i don't know what really happened right there but um it did and i think that they're going to be very happy i think he's going to be a contributor and be very good for for that titans team Moving on to the 12th pick, which ended up going to the Detroit Lions after all the trades and hecticness and craziness of the first couple uh, picks in this draft and lots of trades. Um, and here's where the draft just kind of went sideways. Uh, it kind of went sideways anyway when the Colts took Anthony Richardson, and then it went super sideways uh, when the Lions decided to take Jameer Gibbs with the 12th pick uh, running back out of Alabama. They ended up trading DeAndre Swift, uh, another Georgia player, to the Eagles later on. Uh, so it makes sense there, but, um, I think you could have taken Gibbs with your second first round pick, uh, which they did not do. Uh, so for me, this was just a very, very head scratching pick. I thought they were going to go Christian Gonzalez, um, after trading away Akuda. Um, so I was confused by this pick. I, even though I said that I could see Gibbs coming into the first round, it wouldn't shock me going 12th shocked me. Um, there were a lot of there were a lot of picks they could have gone with here. There were a lot of people still on the board. Um, and if you didn't like Christian Gonzalez, you could have gone Emmanuel Forbes. Um I, For me it just it just didn't make sense what happened here. I would have gone corner or I would have gone defensive end. Uh maybe not Lucas Van Ness, but then again you know, pairing with Aiden Hutchinson and who knows, maybe you have lightning in a bottle there. Maybe you could have gone to Will McDonald here. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I didn't like this pick at all uh, for where it was. Um, and then the comeback with Jack Campbell, which you, we, you talked about on our, on our mock draft podcast. And I, I don't think he's a bad linebacker. I just don't know if he's the 18th overall pick linebacker f- for me. Um, so I just did not like their first round. Uh, the second round, they had two picks. They go Sam Laporta, a tight end out of Iowa. So two Iowa picks back-to-back for them. I do like the Brian Branch pickup, the safety out of Alabama. Um, I, I like Branch. He, I think he was the clear-cut best safety in this draft. Um, and then they go Hendon Hooker in the third round, um, which I'll let you touch on. And then, you know, just out of there, they get another defensive tackle, uh, Broderick Martin. And then they get another offensive tackle with uh, Soarsdell from William & Mary, and then they finish it out with Antoine Green, a wide receiver out of North Carolina. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I This was a very confusing draft uh, for me. I just don't know if I liked any of the value of their picks where they got them. I think Brian Branch falling to them in the second round was was a nice surprise for them. Um, but I, I don't know, Julius. I just was not – I'm not feeling – I know they – You'll like that they uh, signed uh, Corey Durden, the uh, the defense tackle of NC State, um, but I just I don't know, man. I just I was not feeling this draft at all for for the lines. I just you're so close and you're right on the cusp of kind of being a playoff team, and I feel like this is why bad teams stay bad, in my opinion. You you got to build through the draft, even though people think you can build through free agency, and this just was one of those things where you're just kind of like you always think they're going to turn the corner and then they end up doing a Lions type of thing. And that's what this was for me.
1: This absolutely shocked me. And it shocked me even more to hear reports, and I don't know how true it is. These are rumors. But there are reports out there that the Lions would have taken Jameer Gibbs even if they were stuck at six. Which means they were willing to draft Jameer Gibbs over Bijan Robinson if it came down to it what that tells me is that this team looked at the roster and decided the absolute worst thing on this roster their absolute biggest problem was DeAndre Swift that's what this tells me because you got a one-to-one replacement We can talk about swapping out Jamal Williams for David Montgomery, very similar skill sets as kind of power downhill runners. Jameer Gibbs feels that swing out receiving running back threat that DeAndre Swift would have been in this offense. And I'm, I'm just shocked that they would look at their team and say, we are receiving back away from being where we want to be. I, I don't know what made them sour on Swift that badly. I know Swift has been injury prone. So I understand them being a little frustrated with him. But to the point where that becomes your number one need, and this is based on your draft board, that, that's just wild to me. Uh I see I do see a lot of Tony Pollard. That that's who I think of when I watch Jameer Gibbs play. So I understand that you add some explosion to the backfield and There are reports that the Lions see Gibbs as more than just a pure running back. They see him as somebody that they can line up all over the formation and create mismatches. The Lions are going to have to make, they're going to have to manufacture things to make this pick worth it. Uh, Because again, a team that needs to continue to build on defense, a team that had other needs, it's it's just a little shocking to see that this is the route they went. And like you said, with Jack Campbell, solid linebacker out of Iowa, uh, pretty solid in coverage, a smart player in the middle of your defense. Uh, They've kind of gone this route before in the draft. They've drafted somebody like a Gerard Davis around this spot in the draft. Uh, I thought they were the only team that valued off-ball linebackers to nearly this extent. Uh, this is a situation where if Jack Campbell was really the top guy on your board, again, I would have tried to trade down. I would have tried to find somebody to trade down with um, in order to to wait and maybe get an extra pick or two uh, before I took somebody like Jack Campbell. It's certain, certainly somebody I've had a second-round grade on, so I think he's a good player. But uh, I just think 18 is, is a bit rich for a linebacker who does have athletic limitations and may or may not be able to, to run with certain tight ends in the league. Now, where Detroit, in my opinion, kind of fell a little bit short, kind of did some reaching, kind of had some tunnel vision in the first round, I thought they did a lot better in the second round. My opinion, Sam LaPorta is right neck and neck with Dalton Kincaid as far as the best receiving tight end in this class. It would not surprise me if LaPorta was a better receiving tight end than Kincaid. Uh, LaPorta was able to stand out in a horrendous, a horrendous Iowa passing offense. So if you get him around a competent quarterback and a competent passing game, I think you're going to see LaPorta shine more than he did in college. And of course the lions know a thing or two about tight ends from Iowa, having just moved on from TJ Hawkinson. I also love the Brian branch pick at 45. I would have had no problem with him drafted getting drafted 20 spots earlier. So to get him at 45 is a good deal. I think in this defense, you'll see Brian branch play more corner than safety. So I don't think he's going to be a pure safety in this defense because you do have a playmaker like kirby joseph on the back end the lions need that corner help more than they need safety help so i think they'll kind of move branch into that either boundary corner or spot corner more than he plays safety but again that's the value of having a safety you can do a lot of different things with them as opposed to players who play other positions then they do go get hinton hooker i don't love this as a landing spot for hooker to be honest with you just because Jared Goff is really good in the second half of last year. And I know it's he's an easy punching bag, but I, I can make the case that outside of Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff is the second best quarterback in the NFC for most of last se- most of last season. And so with Hooker, we know he's not going to play much this year because of the knee injury. And I just think that if Goff can prove himself for a full year and keep the consistency going, it was kind of up and down early in the season for Goff last year. If he could be consistent this year and show what he showed the second half of last year, uh, then it might be a long while before we see Hooker get a real opportunity. I do want to shout out some of the moves the Lions made after the draft. I thought after the draft they did better work than during most of the draft. You go and get Muhammad Ibrahim. It's one of my favorite running backs in this class, and I know the athletic profile is not there. He's not an explosive running back. He's five foot eight. He's just a tough runner who produces. That, that's all he is. So he just seems to me like somebody who can carve out a role in anybody's backfield. I like him as an insurance policy for David Montgomery. Of course, I got to shout out Corey Durden to get that defensive tackle out of NC state. I think he has the potential to to crack this roster. It's going to be a little bit tough, uh, but I'd love to see him get on there. And then, uh, starting Thomas, the fifth, a corner out of Alabama, Birmingham. He's another one. i am just, I'm not sure why he didn't get a combine invite. He has a great athletic profile, uh, A bit slight in his build, but uh, not terribly undersized. But again, excellent athlete, good long speed. I think he can make the roster at least on a special team's perspective. So I thought that was a good pickup for them as well. Keeping it in the NFC North, the Packers, who turned out to make a brilliant trade, considering what the Jets had to miss out on (laughs) by trading down two spots. The Packers move up to the 13th spot uh, because of the Aaron Rodgers trade. They come away with Lucas Van Ness in this spot. Again, for me, I'm I'm torn on this because the athletic profile suggests Lucas Van Ness should be a good player, should be a really good player. Uh, The production in a limited snap count suggests he should be a really good player. I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around You didn't start a game in college. And we're talking about Iowa. Iowa's produced decent pass rushers, decent uh, defensive ends, guys like A.J. Epinesa. But I don't see a defensive roster, a defensive line that's so stacked that a guy who's a top 15 pick couldn't crack the starting lineup. I I would have to talk to the coaches and get a feel for why that happened before I took Van Ness this high. Now, maybe the Packers had that conversation. Got an answer they liked and went on from there. But that that's just something that's that's tough for me to, to, to get out of my mind. Uh they did go and get Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed in the second round. So you, you could see quickly in this draft that after they got Lucas Van Ness, which is a very Green Bay move, by the way, that's another position they value very much. They like to go and get that Nick Perry or Rashawn Gary type of player in the first round. So it's not shocking uh that they would go back to a defensive lineman who's kind of a bit of a tweener defensive end outside linebacker can kind of do a little of both but after that go get Jordan Reed some uh Jordan Love some weapons so again Musgrave Jaden Reed I, I wasn't too high on where they drafted Jaden Reed that, that was higher than I would have taken him um Musgrave again probably a little bit higher than I would have taken him as well even though I did hear some buzz that he might be looked at at the end of the first round so Uh, Probably the right value for him, but again, a little bit higher than I would have taken him. And then immediately another tight end in uh, Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. So immediately the the thought was get Jordan Reed some weapons. Not sure how dynamic any of these guys are, to be honest with you. I do think Musgrave can ultimately uh, become a decent option at tight end uh, for a team that's going to be spreading the ball around most likely. I also didn't like the Sean Clifford pick, to be honest with you. And I I don't criticize fifth round picks too often, but I just think Sean Clifford's just a guy. I thought he was just a guy in college. Uh, Again, a a tough guy, a leader, a good college quarterback. Uh, But I just, to me, I just get more of a coach vibe out of of Sean Clifford than a player vibe. So I just didn't think the fifth round it was necessary to to go that route. Uh, Carl Brooks is the one guy that I did like later in Green Bay's draft. Uh, Just because this is a very productive pass rusher out of Bowling Green. Uh, Somebody who at one point it thought there was a thought that he might be a second or third round pick. He ends up slipping because he had a bad combine, tested very poorly as a raw athlete. But I still like the production, and I will take a productive player, a guy who's shown he can do it, even if it's against limited competition. I will take that in the sixth round. I won't take that gamble early, but in the sixth round, I thought that was a perfect spot for Carl Brooks. And then I do have to shout out the fact that our punter, Shane McDonough, was picked up by Green Bay. So the punter dynasty has a chance to live on and add to the legacy.
0: Yeah, Green Bay did the most Green Bay thing here and <laughs> took a defensive end with their first pick. Uh they probably thought Van Ness wouldn't have fallen to them at 13, so maybe they had him graded really high on their draft board and just thought it was a pick they couldn't um Live without since the three tackles they wanted were were off the board, but um yeah i don't i don't I don't know man i, I it's definitely a green bay pick, but they went defensive end and linebacker last year with their two first round picks so and I understand that you you need to build the defense up and I get it, but I just don't know if if that's where I would have gone um with this pick, you know, you had Jackson Smith and Jigma right there. So, you know, again, best wide receiver. I think he would have not fallen to 20th if he didn't have the injury. So, um, I, I thought that was a good, good, uh, that would have been a good pickup if they went that direction. They did not. Um, but then, yeah, it, it's like they kind of like overcompensated after the half of that. And they were like tight end, wide receiver, tight end. So, um, you know, and then, they drafted a lot of wide receivers actually in this draft. I know they had a lot of picks, and they they got three of them. Um, one probably makes the team, and that will be because he went set in the second round with Jaden Reed. Uh, they also drafted a kicker in the sixth round, Anders Carlson, out of Auburn. So uh, might be might be time for Crosby to get out get out of town. I know the uh, people were starting to you know sour on him at the end of last year. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> bye bye but just a lot of guys they just took a, they they had a lot of 6th and 7th round picks they they had six of them uh so four in the 7th so i feel like you know green bay was just kind of just picking guys but uh, i don't know if i would have gone with this with their with their first pick I, again i i like lucas van ness um you know i we had him going 10th uh in in our mock draft so i mean i'm not saying that he's not there for value but I just don't know if I'm Green Bay if this is the move I'm making, uh with with my first pick. Um, again, I don't know if defensive end was a, a need for them, um, but hey, you know I would have wanted to pair my young quarterback with with a young dynamic receiver, but this is the way, you know, Green Bay operates. So here we are, and and then that was their that was their pick. Um, moving on to the 14th pick, which trade to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I really like the Steelers draft. I don't, I don't have, I think they did. I think they did well. They traded up and got Roderick Jones, which I, I like Jones here. Um, I, I had him going here to new England. Uh, and I, I like this, you know, can he pick it some protection? Um, and then they, with that pick they got from, uh, the bears, they took Joey Porter jr., which I'm, I'm shocked. He slid out of the first round, honestly, uh, I think again another another need for this team. We talked about it um in our in our mock draft that we we thought they would go defensive back and it was definitely a need and and they get they get a really good corner in my opinion. Uh I know you have concerns about him going to Pittsburgh so I'll let you touch on that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then they get bitten out of Wisconsin a, a big defensive tackle um 64 just just a big just a big dude um to to fill the gap and, and you know um their their, their, their D-line is getting a little bit older. Um, Watt, Watt gets a lot of injuries, so this is definitely a good move in the right direction uh, to, to try to get younger up front. And in the 3-4, you need a big uh, defensive tackle to be in the middle there, so I think Benton will be a good pick here. And then one of my favorite picks, and he slipped to the third round, Darnell Washington, uh, tight end out of Georgia. Um, I really, really like this pick for... for um, the Pittsburgh Steelers because they can run two tight end sets with Fryermuth and Washington now. And and Washington is one of the most athletic tight ends in this draft. Um, you know, 6'7", 264, he can also block. Uh, I really, really, really like uh, this pick uh, for them. I, I, I can't believe he fell to the third round and some other tight ends were taken over him. But I, I really like the first four picks that the Steelers had. I think they're all really good picks and fill need positions. Uh, not Darnell Walsh, I don't think the tight end was need, but I think you, can, you can't not add dynamic playmakers to an offense that, that you know, with a young quarterback. And then obviously i give a shout-out to Spencer Anderson, uh, Maryland guard, went, went in the seventh <laughs> round. But, uh, you know, he's a Terp, just another guy that's kind of staying close to home and, and gets a root for. But, yeah, Julius, I, I really, really like the Steelers draft. I, I don't think they really missed – in my opinion, with their first four picks at all.
1: I like what they did here too, with limited picks. I like what they did here a lot. Uh, We talk about it time and time again. You identify your young quarterback, that's cool. Now, there's two other things you got to do. You got to get him weapons and you got to protect him. The Steelers have pretty good weapons around Pickett. They needed to protect him. And so, to make that move, to jump in front of the Jets, being 99.9% sure the Jets were going to take Broderick Jones at 15. Genius move by the Steelers. Go make it happen. Don't wait. You know, you try to figure out the rest later, but go get that guy that can help your quarterback feel more comfortable. We know Pickett uh, had his struggles last year at times. We know he got beat up at times last year. So uh, if you're Kenny Pickett, you are smiling ear to ear (laughs) seeing the Steelers make that move in the first round. uh, Again, great move there. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., I I did touch on this before, again, good player and does fill a need. So from a pure football standpoint, I get it. I just, I don't love Porter in Pittsburgh because I just wanted to see him land somewhere where he could be his own man, have his own identity. Joey Porter Jr. plays nothing like his father, okay? You, You will hear that Porter Jr. is physical, but he's physical in a I'll jam you at the line of scrimmage kind of way. I'll use my arm length to kind of push you off your route kind of thing. He's not a striker. He's not an intimidator type of player the way his dad was. And I I hope people don't want him to try to live up to that. His personality's different. His demeanor on the field different. His style of play is different. Uh, so, I, you know, I look at other players in this draft. You know, Caillou Blue Kelly is the son of Brian Kelly, who was a prominent piece of a championship team in Tampa Bay. Nobody said, oh, Buck's got to get Caillou Blue Kelly. Uh, Jason Taylor II was in this draft. And nobody said, oh, Jason Taylor II has got to go to Miami. So I, just, I don't know why everybody was so obsessed with Joey Porter Jr. landing in Pittsburgh. It did happen. And a lot of people are, are super excited about it for some reason. Uh, but to me, that part of the story just isn't a big deal. Him feeling a need, though, is a big deal. So, You get Porter Jr. and you do uh, later in the draft, you come right back and get another six, three corners. You get two six foot three corners in this draft, Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice Jr. out of Purdue. Uh, That speaks to what the Steelers want to do. They wanted to add uh, size to that secondary and they did a good job finding those pieces. Two guys who run well, have good speed. Uh, Corey Trice, I I thought would go higher than he did. So I thought that was a, a definite steal late in the draft for them. And uh, I touched on Keanu Benton. Uh, Again, somebody, you look at somebody like Cameron Hayward starting to get up there a little bit. I could use uh, a few more breathers most likely. So uh, Benton helps a lot with that uh, defensive line rotation. And again, you touched on it already, but Darnell Washington to me is the steal of the draft. In my opinion, Darnell Washington is the best tight end in this draft all around. Now I am an old school person in some ways. So when I evaluate tight ends, I'm looking at how you block. And so I'm looking at at somebody like uh, Dalton Kincaid, and I'm saying, good receiver, doesn't really block much. Darnell Washington doesn't just block. Darnell Washington pushes you way off the line. Darnell Washington takes you with him as a blocker. So it's fun to watch him block. Then on top of that, he is an excellent receiver. And like you said, an athletic receiver. And people will look at his numbers and say, well, they're down. You got to remember, he was playing tight end along with Brock Bowers, who's probably the best tight end receiving prospect we've seen since Gronk. So you can't go by the numbers with him. (laughs) So when you watch him get opportunities to catch the ball, though, he high points the ball, not a surprise, it's 6'7". And he runs well after the catch, and he will hurdle it at six seven two sixty so all around i just think that's the best overall skill set in this draft class i would have much rather the raiders not moved up to 35 to get michael Mayer, but stay back and draft uh darnell washington around pick 70 that's what i would have wanted to see the raiders do so I, i just think that's an absolute steal for the steelers now we are going on to the New York Jets, and we just, we just talked about the fact that, you know, the Steelers jumped the Jets. It was pretty clear to most people that the Jets were going to try to address the offensive line early and often. And three of the big four offensive tackles were off the board, and Pittsburgh made that jump to get the fourth one, Roderick Jones, and I feel like that put the Jets in a position they weren't anticipating and weren't necessarily ready for. I don't know that they wanted to take Will McDonald IV at fifteen. I am sure they had interest, but I think they were kind of caught a little flat-footed by the move that Pittsburgh made. By the way, a genius move by Bill Belichick to kind of screw a rival. And so Will McDonald IV kind of became the best of a bad thing. Now, if you look at how McDonald played, especially 2020 and 21, If he was coming off of his 2021 season, nobody would bat an eye at McDonald going 15. But he took a bit of a step back in 2022 in terms of of his production. His athleticism is still there. So again, this is another one where I'd have to talk to the coaches and try to figure out why his athleticism dip this year? Was he playing through an undisclosed injury? Did he have something going on in his personal life? I need to know why that dip happened. Because his athleticism suggests it shouldn't have happened. And he is somebody who is good with strip sacks, good at knocking the ball out. So somebody that has a knack for that, somebody who certainly can get around the edge. He has the potential to live up to this pick. But again, I thought this was a panic move by the Jets more than anything else. I think they had interest in McDonald. I think they would have loved to be able to take him at 43 or even move up a bit in the second round to get him. But I don't think the plan was to take him at 15 or even really consider him there. So after they had to kind of reshuffle their whole draft board. Uh, You saw the Jets go with offensive linemen with their next couple of picks, Joe Tippman and and Carter Warren. Uh, Both of them have their questions. Both of them have uh, inconsistencies with their technique. Both of them are banged up going into the offseason, so you have have concerns uh, with those linemen, but again, it's the Jets doing the best that they could do in a bad situation. Uh, They did have two picks I really liked. Uh, Izzy Abana Kanda, a running back out of Pittsburgh, he is somebody that has some excellent, excellent straight line speed. If if he finds a hole, if he can get a seam, he's gone. So I think he can be an excellent complimentary piece to to Brees Hall. And I do also think that he can step in and handle a bigger workload if something were to happen where uh, Hall were to go down again. We know this team doesn't trust Michael Carter with a workload. So somebody like Abana Kanda can become a major part of this offense, running behind a familiar a familiar friend in Carter Warren, uh, potentially. Uh, so that's a great fit for the Jets. And then Jarek Bernard-Converse was somebody I talked about in the pre-draft broadcast. I think he's a sleeper at the corner position out of LSU. Uh, it's, it's interesting that you can be a sleeper playing corner at LSU. But uh, that's what Bernard-Converse was. Excellent, excellent athletic profile. I think he's somebody who's going to outperform his draft position. Keep in mind, the Jets, this is not a team that necessarily needed a corner uh, we know what Ahmad Garner has done there, and DJ Reed doesn't get enough credit, but they've got a couple of really good corners. Uh, but to get a depth piece like Bernard Converse, I thought that was a great move. So I thought this draft finished stronger than it started for the Jets.
0: Yeah, I'm not as mad at the Will McDonald. Uh, I'm not saying you're mad, but I'm not I'm not as concerned about the pick as some other people are. Yeah. Um, you know, I think some, some guys just don't pick the right year to come out. And that's, I feel like that happens with McDonald. Um, obviously with rules that the NFL having place you can only come out at certain times anyway. Um, but um I like you said, I think once tackle was off the board, uh the four that people said were the big four, um, I think they were just like, All right, let's let's switch gears here. Um and I didn't have an inside linebacker that should be ranked this high at this pick. So I feel like them just getting another person that can, you know, pressure other opposing quarterbacks, especially in the division that they're in. Uh, I think it was a smart pick. Um, maybe a little overvalued um, at, at this position. But, uh, again, I'm we talked about him in the pre-draft. We, we, you even said, like, we don't have him going in the first round. That doesn't mean he won't go in the first round, right? So, And then, like you said already, uh, with their next two picks, which was a second round and then a fourth round, they went offensive line. You you feel like that was going to happen because of Aaron Rodgers being there, um, but yeah, and I'm with you. I think Jerick Bernard uh, Converse could be a a steal, uh, a good nickel corner for them. Um, again, it wasn't really a need, but I guess if you have someone sitting there that that you like, uh, especially in the sixth round, you can take some flyer picks that late in, that late in the draft. So um, definitely didn't dislike, um, that, that pick. But again, the, the Jets main off season acquisition was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yes, their first pick was 15th and, and, and they thought people, maybe people thought they would get a tackle in that position, but, um, their season's going to really hinge on how well Aaron Rodgers plays. If he plays like he did last year for, um, you know Packers. It's probably not going to be that great of a season. And then if he if he lives up to his MVP seasons uh, the years past, then uh, Jets are definitely making the playoffs. So, um, this this draft grade to me is going to be more about how well does Aaron Rodgers play in the upcoming season. Uh, moving on to sixteen, it was the Washington Commanders, uh, the one of two draft rooms I saw on draft night that was not hugging, clapping, cheering. Uh, there was just a very sad, sad draft room. So hopefully under new ownership and they get a new GM and, and maybe a head coach, maybe not. Maybe they can get some excitement in this draft room. Um, they, they took Emmanuel Forbes with their first pick. Uh, I know a lot of people are concerned about his size, um, and, and how skinny he is. I'm, I'm not one of those people. I think he is a playmaker, uh, through and through. I had him going to the Ravens in our mock draft at 22. Um, and and I think he is what this team was missing on the defensive end, uh, in terms of turnovers. Um, I like the pick. Uh, I think he is a ball hawk. Um, maybe a little high for him, but then again, like I said, you know, I probably would have taken Christian Gonzalez in this <laughs> with this pick. Um, but I actually like, um. Forbes's playmaking abilities compared to Christian Gonzalez's, so uh, not mad at this pick at all. And then they take with their second pick, uh, Jartavius Martin, safety, L-L-L- Illinois. Um, this one was a little bit of a head scratcher for me, Julius. I-, I think they they reached um, for a position that wasn't a major need to reach this much for someone. I could understand if it was, you know, a position where they're like, we really need someone here. Um, but I was just a little confused by, by this pick, um, a pick that kind of stood out to me though, was a KJ Henry in the, in the fifth round defensive end from Clemson. Um, you know, on a, on a line where there was a lot of other guys that were getting a lot of, a lot of, uh, national attention. I thought KJ Henry showed up every game that I watched. Um, and I think he, for on that defensive line where they have a lot of other, again, guys that are going to get a lot of attention and, Henry's probably going to get a lot of one-on-ones. He could make some noise in his rookie season if he gets playing time. Um, So, um, again, I like their first pick. Their their second pick was kind of a reach for me, and I think they got a a nice piece with K.J. Henry in the fifth round. Um, How how do you feel about the commanders?
1: Uh, Similar to you. Similar to you. So, like you said, Emmanuel Forbes Jr. goes in the first round. Again, the size does show up in the way he plays he is not going to make many tackles on his own unless they're shoestring tackles uh that's just part of what you deal with when you get him but there's no question about his playmaking ability uh it's well documented at this point i think everybody knows about his pick six record and the fact that he has 14 interceptions in three years i mean this guy finds the ball the ball finds him and uh like i mentioned before even when passes are deflected or off target he, his ability to react and go get the ball anyway uh, stands out. It, it amazes me. So uh, I think that's something that will translate to the NFL. He's going to be somebody who you have to be very cautious with if you're going to test him because he he will go get it. He will go attack uh, those boundary throws, and if they're late, he's taking them to the house. So I, I like the move there. Uh, Jatavius Martin, uh, this was a move where you're chasing the athletic profile. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. Uh, this is one of the more explosive athletes at that kind of safety corner hybrid position. I think he will play on the back end uh, with this defense and just chasing the fact that this guy just really stands out. His burst, his short area speed really stands out. So uh, this was a situation where you're chasing athletic qualities. His measurables suggest that he's a second round pick. I was a bit surprised that they did go and double dip in the secondary, when I felt like they had other things they could address. Uh, but again, I, I I get it from an athletic profile standpoint why they went and made that move. Uh, the rest of the draft did seem like they focused a bit on needs more. Uh, a couple of interior offensive line linemen in Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas and Brayden Daniels out of Utah. It seems like the commanders always need at least one interior offensive linemen. There are certain teams, that it seems like they just always need a certain position that I feel like with Washington, uh, that that's always, they're always a center or a guard short. And so to, to double dip there, I thought was a smart move in the third and fourth round. Cause you just, you just trying to get somebody who could be a piece in that starting lineup. And with the most interior offensive linemen, you have a little versatility. You can move guys from guard to center, maybe from one guard to the other. So you, you figure between Stromberg and Daniels, one of them, will emerge as a starter. That's what you're hoping for there. So I don't mind that at all. And like you said, K.J. Henry, I like that moving in the fifth round. There are certain guys who kind of are a victim of the success that happens around them. And I felt like K.J. Henry was one of those guys. Clemson has so many great players every year that it's just easy to get kind of lost in the sauce uh, just being a really good player surrounded by really great players. And I felt like K.J. Henry was kind of a victim of that. I think he's better than a fifth round pick. And I think he'll show that with the commanders. And then our Chris Rodriguez Jr. in the sixth, I think he can carve out a role. I don't know exactly where he'll fit in the background, in the backfield that the commanders have is currently constructed. But if he does get an opportunity, I kind of like him as a, as a kind of rigid runner. Again, not, not really special qualities, but just one of those guys who knows how to play the game, who knows how to be productive, uh, played in an offense that... Uh, was not nearly as good last year, but still found a way to be productive. Uh, so there's qualities you do like there. So overall, I thought it was kind of a middle-of-the-road draft for the Commanders. It wasn't a terrible draft. It wasn't a disaster or anything like that. Um, it It's not the most inspiring draft, but it's not a draft that I would look back you know, on and expect to say, boy, that was terrible. <laughs> Moving on to the New England Patriots. And again, I just, I, just, I think they've, kind of won their draft before they even made a pick just by being petty enough to trade down just to prevent Aaron Rodgers from getting extra offensive lineman in the first round. I just think that was a genius move on, on their part. And that, that's the kind of Bill Belichick I want to see. With their own first round pick, they did eventually settle on Christian Gonzalez. I thought this was a great value pick. I thought Christian Gonzalez could have easily gone in the top 10 if the board broke differently. Obviously, when you watch him at the draft, he felt like he was going to be a top 10 pick. So it's uh, a little disappointed now. But, you know, that's one of those things. Hey, use it as a chip on your shoulder. I thought uh, Gonzalez would be higher because he does play the ball very well. A good boundary cover corner. I uh, can run with just about anybody on the outside. And again, does a great job of tracking the ball down. And unlike some corners in his class. When he turns around to make a play on the ball, he tries to catch the ball. There are other corners in this class who are just more than happy to just knock the ball down and not attempt to make the play, even when there's a potential easy pick. I think it's somebody like Joey Porter Jr. is somebody who just knocks the ball down, doesn't try to catch it. Gonzalez will try to make the catch on the ball, and he does a pretty good job of high-pointing with the receiver. So I think the Patriots get a nice pick. I talked last year about how they, in my estimation, drafted too many small defensive backs. Uh, This year, they went the other way with that, going and getting somebody like Gonzalez, who brings decent size, and also later in the draft, getting bigger defensive backs. Amir Speed and Isaiah Bolden were two big corners uh, that they got later in the draft. And with Isaiah Bolden, he does bring you uh, special teams value as well as a very explosive kick returner. So those are two picks late in the draft that I liked. Uh, Going back to the beginning of the draft for New England, Keon White in the second round. I thought he was a first-round talent myself. Uh, transfer from Old Dominion to Georgia Tech. I thought once he got healthy and showed what he could do, I thought he showed enough to be a first round pick. I think he's somebody who uh, represents great value as a middle of the second round pick for New England. So I thought the draft was off to a great start for New England. Uh, they go and get a versatile kind of money backer in the third round. And Marte Mapu out of Sacramento State, I think he was the first non combine invite to be picked up. That's Bill Belichickian. The draft of Sacramento State guy that high with no combine invite. Uh, then the draft kind of got interesting. Uh, you can see that special teams was a major concern <laughs> for New England just based on their draft board. Uh, they go and get arguably the top kicker in the draft. They go and get arguably the top punter in the draft. And like I said, they go get uh, Isaiah Bolden for kick returns. So you can see that that was a major emphasis for New England fix up the special teams fix up the special teams new england also took kayshaun butte in the sixth round and that is a player to watch it just depends on what version of kayshaun butte decides to show up a couple years ago this guy looked like a lock to be a top 15 pick in the draft and i I don't know what happened in the last couple of years i don't know if he was just distracted disinterested Uh, i don't know if there was some other things going on there's certainly some rumors around the program going on about him but the talent he showed a couple years ago, uh, teams weren't going to completely get that out of their minds. And if the Patriots mess around and unlock the version of Keyshawn Bouté that we saw going back to around 2020 or so, they've got themselves a good player in the sixth round. So I love that risk there. Uh, again, it was, it was an interesting draft for New England just because of so much focus on the special teams for the second half of the draft. Uh, but again, it, it just showed that they were very clear on what they wanted to fix. They wanted to fix the defense. They wanted to fix the special teams. They left Mac Jones kind of hung out to dry with no weapons, really. Uh, but and again, unless Boutet uh pans out, but it, it's interesting to see that this team kind of went back to their roots, which is being a team that counts on defense and special teams more than offense.
0: Yeah, you know I love the special teams pick, Chad Ryland, <laughs> kicker out of Maryland. Uh, he was one of my diamonds in the rough uh, special teams editions uh, from our from our pre draft uh, episode. But um, again, I I'm happy he went to New England because they actually value special teams in New England. So I think that he will get uh, an opportunity to be to be great, to be good. Um, in the first time in, in many years, I'm not sitting here scratching my head at a New England draft. Um, there was no Cole Strange pick in this draft. Uh, I feel like they traded back, which was smart, like you said, to get in front of the Jets, uh, They let Pittsburgh get in front of the Jets. Um, even though I think they could have taken Broderick Jones in that position, I think that would have been a great pickup, to, especially to help Mac Jones out. But here we are. Uh, they get Christian Gonzalez, which we had a higher rated than 17th. Uh, and I knew you were going to love the Keon White pick that they got in the second round, another player that we thought would go higher than he did. And then, yeah, you know, just just the focus on special teams, and they they picked up a lot of offensive linemen next after that. Um, some guys that can, as you said, guards and centers can kind of move around um, it, all along the offensive line. So, you know, some 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 guys there, and then, uh, like you said they picked up two two uh corners in the end and then they uh, some more and Butte, I don't know if it's if it was you know losing losing some of the other guys other playmakers on the offense that maybe that unlocked it for him like you said there there are rumors going around but um yeah if he 2 years ago you know if if, if he if it's that version they're getting that could be a steal for them for sure in this draft um and I wouldn't be surprised if they do pull it out. But, I mean, again, you, you just never know what type of person you're going to get coming out of the draft right there. Um, we already talked about the Lions at 18, so we'll skip over to the Buccaneers at 19. And they took Elijah Cansey, a uh, tackle out of Pittsburgh. And Julius, I know that this is a this is a pick that you like. Uh, you had him rated very, very high in, in, on your draft board. So um, I know that you are definitely a fan of this pickup. Um, you know, and I think it's a great need pick for them. And, and I think, you know, behind Vitavea Vea is going to be, you know, both of those guys on the line together it will be Madness. Um, then they went offensive tackle in the, in the second round. Mock um, out of North Dakota State, Cody Mock, um, which, again, another need pick. Um, Yaya Diaby, Louisville, defensive end, again, another need pick. But this team... Once again, NFC South teams need everything. They they made the playoffs with a, with an 8-9 and nine, with a losing record. Um, and no Tom Brady. Post-Tom Brady. Post a lot of players that have either left in free agency or got traded. Um, so this is a full rebuild at this point. So starting in the trenches with your first three picks is not a bad way to go. Um, you know, and and so, again, I, I think I like the Kalajikansi pick a lot. Um, and then from there, you know, just trying to build this team inside out, you still have your two good wide receivers on your team and Evans and Godwin. Um, and then, you know, in the undrafted free agents, which I don't know how not a single Maryland wide receiver didn't get drafted in this draft, but they picked up Raheem Jarrett. So, you know, I'm, I'm pumped about that uh, in, their, in their undrafted free agent picks up. I think he can make the team, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did make the team and, and had an impact in the slot uh, in, in his rookie season. Um, but... Yeah, I think they had an okay draft. Again, this team is in full rebuild mode now, post-Tom Brady, uh, and I really like the Kalaja Kansi pick uh, in the first round.
1: Oh, yeah. You you know I'm all about the Kalaja Kansi pick. Uh, I I think that's the perfect fit. Uh, You mentioned Vita Vea. Uh, You know, the concern about Kansi is he's not going to be super stout at the point of attack. I don't think that's as big a deal as people make it out to be. When you watch him play, it's not like he gets washed out of there very often. Uh, He's somebody who can penetrate the line, and you put him next to a a massive frame like Vita Veya, and I think that's when uh, you can open up the best work for Kalaja Kansi. People are going to struggle to stay in front of him. I think he's going to provide a ton of interior pressure, and I just think that that gets overlooked sometimes in the NFL. We love to talk about guys flying off the edge to bring pressure, but when you can disrupt the pocket, and bring pressure right up the middle, That that's where the quarterback can't escape. So I, I just think that Canty is going to be a very good pick. I, I think he'll be a, a pro bowler in short order. I don't I don't usually get that bold about players, especially outside the top three or five, uh, but I just think that's a great pick for Tampa Bay. Uh, I also love the Cody Malk pick out of North Dakota State. Uh, We talked all year, all year, about all that they lost, some expected, some unexpected, on the interior of their offensive line. You don't anticipate Ryan Jensen going down. You don't anticipate Ali Marpet retiring in the prime of his career. Uh, So they were in a bad way on their offensive line, specifically in the interior. Uh, Cody Mount comes in and immediately upgrades that and gets Tampa Bay uh, back to what they want to do. Again, this is a team that's going to have a brand-new identity on offense post-Tom Brady. You're not going to see this team Want to throw the ball 50, 55 times a game like they did with Brady. So getting somebody like Malk who can be a presence in the run game, uh, that's a big deal for this team. Uh, you look at some of their some of their later picks I did like. Uh Trey Palmer, they get a speed receiver out of Nebraska there. And that's the kind of move I wanted the Raiders to make. That's that's why I didn't like, you know, going to get an undersized speed receiver in the third round, because in the sixth round, you could go and get an average size receiver with four three speed. And that's what Tampa Bay did. Tampa Bay also came back in the sixth round and drafted Jose Ramirez. I thought for sure he'd be at worst a fifth-round pick. I was thinking more like fourth round for him. A uh, productive pass rusher out of Eastern Michigan. I touched on him as far as one of my diamonds in the rough. I think that's another great move. I think you can see again, Canty and Ramirez both have high impact right away. And I do like what Tampa Bay did in the undrafted free agent pool as well. You touched on Kim Jarrett. I am shocked. He, he's he's the one I'm most shocked by that didn't get drafted uh, out of all the Maryland receivers. I, th- I thought at least one of them would get drafted. I thought probably two, but Raekem Jarrett was the one that I thought for sure would get drafted. So it it stuns me that that he was there for them. But I think that's a great depth piece for them. Uh, Sean Tucker, a running back out of Syracuse, I can vouch for the fact that <laughs> Sean Tucker uh, did my NC State Wolfpack defense dirty a couple times when we played them. So. Uh, He's a guy that I like, and again, with that backfield that I talked about in our pre-draft discussion, I think there's a role for Sean Tucker on this team. He fell out of the draft, I think, in part because he never could test athletically, but I think he's somebody who should be able to crack this roster. And then one other player, Jeremy Banks, uh, another free agent that he picked up, uh, he was talking about a linebacker out of Tennessee who's fresh off of a season with 128 tackles and five and a half sacks. Uh, he, he can be all over the place around the line of scrimmage. He's another one. I'm just shocked uh, that he was available after the draft. So I think the Buccaneers made some really nice moves after the draft to help bolster their overall draft class. We discussed the Seahawks already at the 20th pick. So we will slide right into the 21st pick. Wow. And that was held by the Los Angeles Chargers. I've said it many times. I will continue to say it i'm sure i will say it throughout next season just like i said throughout last season the number one priority in the chargers front office and coaching staff as far as i'm concerned the number one priority is make justin herbert look good at all costs again in a draft that had a lot of uncertainty i felt pretty certain that the chargers who already have keenan allen and mike williams who already have austin eckler who have major needs on the defensive side of the ball. I just felt like they were going to take a wide receiver here because it's all about Justin Herbert. It's all about Justin Herbert's stats. You got to go and get a wide receiver. You got to go make sure that you got people in place to help Justin Herbert have another 5,000 yard passing season. Every other team need to be damned. That's just that's the way that I feel that their approach is. So they go and get Quentin Johnston out of Texas Christian I do like Quentin Johnson. He's a bigger receiver who can get down the field and make plays. I described him as Kenny Galladay before Kenny Galladay got the bag. So a solid receiver. There is a bit of inconsistency there with catching the ball, but he's a big play guy at 6'3 and almost 210. So uh, there's a lot to like, and you put him in a situation where, yeah, you've again, you've got two really good receivers, so he doesn't have to come in and be the man right away. I thought that they would go with a player who might be a little more uh complimentary to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams I thought they would go with a, a field stretcher here but they decided to go Quentin Johnson who can stretch the field some but he's not a pure speed guy he's, he's got good speed for his size but he's not yeah not 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 a four three kind of guy so what do they do to address that they go getting they go and get uh Quentin Johnson's teammate who's another wide receiver who does want a four three and Darius Davis because that's what you needed. Uh, it, just, it just amazes me that the Chargers value wide receiver over everything uh, with this team and value just, again, loading the deck for Justin Herbert as much as they can, uh, again, when there are greater needs to address as far as I'm concerned. Now, they did go and get some defense. I will give them credit for that. Uh, they drafted Tuli Tuli Tu in the second round. I don't know what happened. He was listed as 290 during the season. He shows up at the combine, and he's closer to 265. I don't know what that's about, uh, but that was a concern for me. I do like uh, 2-0-2. We're talking about a guy that led led the Pac-12 in sacks, so a productive player, Uh, but with the weight loss, he had been playing a lot on the inside. I just wonder where he fits at the next level, because if, if hes I don't know why the weight came off, but if he sticks around at 265 or so, uh, then he's not going to be big enough to to hang on the inside, and he when you watch him play, he doesn't have quite the quickness to be on the edge full time and and survive there. So, kind to figure out what's going on with him, uh, but if they can either get his weight back up or somehow get his quickness to get to a point where he can be on the edge, he's shown he can produce. Uh, just, just worried, again, just worried about the weight there. Uh, they did also add Dion um, Henley, uh, linebacker of Washington State, so Again, some help to the defense, but I still thought that uh, they focused too much on the offense, again, with the the first pick. I just thought that that should have been a defensive pick, but I just had a feeling they'd go wide receiver. The one thing I will give them credit for, they did sign Tyler Baker-Williams out of NC State after the draft, so he's somebody who can hopefully help. Uh, in the secondary or on special teams. Uh, Baker Williams, the thing with him, the thing that got him undrafted is he's not a fast uh, corner. So you're talking about somebody who may have to convert positions or may just have to find his way on special teams coverage. But one way or another, I'm hoping he gets on the roster. But yeah, this was one of the least surprising drafts as far as I'm concerned. A little bit annoying to me, but one of the least surprising things of draft weekend.
0: That boo was for everyone should know now. Brandon Staley. Um, so yeah, I you know I don't know why all the experts said they needed a wide receiver. I know there's been rumors about Keenan Allen being traded, uh, but he wasn't and he wasn't let go yet. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but just um just I I mean you called it. You said they were going to go wide receiver. You had them <laughs> uh, you had them taking Jordan Addison, um, but they went Quentin Johnson with a bigger bigger wide receiver, kind of like another Mike Williams, which was kind of weird. Um, uh, but yeah. And then like, as you said in the fourth round, they were like, let's just grab his teammate while we're at it. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't think that offense is their issue. One they had, they blew one of the biggest leads in playoff history that again, their offense could have scored touchdowns. They were only kicking field goals. Um, but again, I think a lot of it falls on the fact that they didn't try to make Austin Eckler, the focal point when he carried their season this year and then their defense gave up one because of boneheaded plays by Abosa, and two that they were just given a place. And I understand JC Jackson was hurt and maybe they think he comes back and the defense is better off that, but their run defense was awful last year. So I just, Absolutely. I just don't agree mm-hmm. with, I understand you need to score points to win games in the NFL, but the NFL is a lot different than the NBA where, it has become outscore your opponent. Don't play any defense. Like defense can still win championships in, in the, in the NFL. Um, and normally it comes down to your defense, getting a stop against the other offense. So I'm just very confused. Uh, and then they should know this, uh, since they gave up that huge lead. And just like the Colts gave it up to the Vikings. Uh, again, I just don't, I just don't understand the philosophy here. And I understand they went two linebackers with their second and third pick, but, uh, Quentin Johnston uh, with their first pick in the draft. Just I just didn't see a need for it. Um, maybe it's because wide receivers started. You know they 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 panicked after seeing Jackson Smith and Jigwa go. But I just I, we saw four wide receivers go in a row. So I don't I don't know I don't know what the the plan was here for the Chargers. Again, I would have focused more on defense. And your head coach is supposed to be a defensive guru, and he's not getting it done. So. Um, I don't know. I, I I didn't like. I didn't. I mean, I, did not, I do like Quentin Johnson as a player. I just don't know if that was their biggest yeah. need in that uh, position right there. And then, unfortunately for us, uh, we might have to root for the Chargers because in undrafted free agents they got a North Carolina State uh, guy in Tyler Baker Williams, the safety, and then they also picked up Jahari Branch, uh, the center from Maryland. So um, it's kind of bummed out that they went they went to the Chargers. <laughs> uh moving on to the 22nd pick uh the baltimore ravens and um after those two receivers went you kind of felt like they were going to go receiver and and i don't know if they were pumped that zay flowers fell to them here uh i know you had him going as the number one receiver i know he's not your number one receiver but i know you had him for his playmaking ability and um and I, I like the pick I like the pick for them if Bateman pans out and then they got Odell Beckham Jr. now and along with Mark Andrews I just this is a great pick up for them to make this pl- this this offense even more explosive uh which is obviously has been lacking um We know how they are in the run game uh, but but this I think is going to be big for them and then I like they didn't have a second round pick but their third round pick uh, inside linebacker Trenton Simpson I think is a great pick up. Um I actually like pairing him with Patrick Queen and and Smith, but I know people think Patrick Queen is out the door now, which would be crazy to me because he is a all NFL Pro Bowl type of player, in my opinion. Uh I hope they all can play together because I think that defense just gets even scarier uh in that situation. And then shout out to the to the Ravens taking the home count town kid. They picked up Dante Demas, uh Jr. in the undrafted free agents. Um, and, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, I talked about his injury and how it really, really hindered him getting drafted. And, and, you know, I, I'm just happy that he, he gets to go to a team that needs receiver. So he has the opportunity to get on the field potentially, and, and hopefully he just makes an impact in his rookie year and hopefully he can just get fully healthy again, because if he does, uh, that's, that's a steal and to not even have to draft him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. First and foremost, absolutely. Uh, you, you and I both saw that injury and one of the nastier leg injuries you'll see. It Happened on a, on a kickoff return when people were saying maybe shouldn't play special teams because it'll, you know, it's it's more risk. And um, unfortunately, it, it panned out that way for Dante Dimas Jr. But uh, all's well that ends well, and so you just hope that uh, he's able to, like you said, make the team in Baltimore. The Ravens do have a history of uh, taking flyers on Maryland players. And it has panned out for them at times. So hopefully this is one of those situations. Uh, getting back to the top of the draft for Baltimore, Zay Flowers was my number two receiver in this draft class. I, I picked him as the number one receiver, but he was absolutely was my number two. So I am excited about this pick. Um, first and First and foremost, I'm excited that the Lamar Jackson contract got done. There's a lot of people who need to shut up now. Uh, as far as him needing an agent or him not being valued and nobody wants him and all this other stuff. There's a lot of people who have to eat a lot of humble pie saying ridiculous things about Lamar Jackson. Now that that's done, let's go get him some weapons. And so I just just love the idea of bringing in, say, Flowers. This is somebody who can get down the field and make plays, make contested catches. There's immediately going to be comparison to he and Marquise Brown since they were both drafted by Ravens. These are very dissimilar players. Uh, Marquise Brown is comfortable operating in open space, but he's somebody who's not going to do much after the catch despite his speed and uh, somebody who is not going to make contested catches. Zay Flowers, even though he's undersized, he will go up over the top of you and get the ball if if you don't see him coming. So uh, somebody who I trust more in 50-50 ball situations than Marquise Brown and somebody who will go and get those tough yardage. Uh, those tough yards after the catch somebody who will go and make that catch across the middle knowing contact is coming it's something else marquise brown doesn't really do so i just think he's a much better prospect another thing to keep in mind with the ravens yes this is the third time the ravens have drafted a wide receiver in the first round since they had lamar jackson but keep in mind marquise brown came into his rookie season with a foot in- injury had to miss all the camp never got a chance to establish any chemistry with lamar jackson rashad bateman had core muscle surgery in the off season, didn't get a chance to establish chemistry with Lamar Jackson. This is the first time that Lamar Jackson is going to have a healthy first round wide receiver to work with throughout the off season. I'm excited to see what he can do with an explosive wide receiver who he's actually going to get the chance to work with for the first time without the first time having to be in the middle of November, (laughs) you know, with, with playoff season on the line. So uh, I'm just I'm just all-around excited about that pick, Zay Flowers, going to the Ravens. Then on top of that, I love the Trenton Simpson pick. I wouldn't have been mad if somebody took Trenton Simpson at the end of the first round. I, I might not have been too mad if the Lions took him at 18 instead of Jack Campbell. For him to fall to the third round, I just feel like, again, we just talk about certain teams. We talked about the Ravens last year. Certain teams just seem like they have the right player fall into their lap at the right time. This is a team that probably was a linebacker short now you go and you get Trenton Simpson, somebody who, and again, in my opinion, should have been at worst a second-round pick. This guy could be a day-one starter as a third-round pick for the Ravens defense. Uh, they couldn't have asked for a better scenario. Uh, Trenton Simpson is somebody who loves to attack the line of scrimmage. That, that's, that's what he does. He's at his best going downhill. Uh, he does have coverage skills, but if you want him at his absolute best, uh, that's what he does for the team better than anything. He's attack the line of scrimmage make plays in the backfield, hit running backs around the line of scrimmage, go after the quarterback. That's what Simpson does well with tremendous closing speed. So I just think it's a great move. I do think it's a bad sign for Patrick Queen. Uh, Keep in mind, he's in the last year of his deal. Keep in mind, he plays inside linebacker next to Roquan Smith, the highest paid inside linebacker in the league. You probably can't pay two inside linebackers, especially at a position where most of the league doesn't value that position that much. So if anything else, I just think the price of Patrick Queen is going to be too much for Baltimore moving forward. So I do think that this is a contingency plan for them. I think Caillou Blue Kelly in the fifth round is good value. He does have some athletic limitation. But again, in the fifth round, you are kind of baking that into the price, so to speak. I thought Caillou Blue Kelly was a third or fourth round type of corner. You get him in the fifth round at a position of need. Again, Ravens seem to always need one more corner. And so I think Kelly has an opportunity even as a fifth-round pick uh, to come in and see a fairly decent role in the defense. Uh, I just also want to shout out, speaking of guys who got injured, uh, Andrew Voorhees. Uh, for those who don't know, offensive lineman out uh, of Southern Cal tore his ACL during the combine. Doing combine drills, he tore his ACL. He didn't pout. He didn't get mad. He just went after he tore his ACL and got more bench reps done than anybody else in the combine. So that just speaks to the, the type of character he has, the type of mental toughness, as well as physical toughness that he has. I thought the torn ACO would cause him to go undrafted, with everybody knowing uh, that he wasn't going to play this year. Uh, but the Ravens take him in the seventh round. I just love to see that he got drafted and that his diligence paid off. Not going to play this year, but he's a guy to keep an eye on for 2024 because the Ravens do have needs on the interior of the offensive line, especially... Uh, knowing that their right guard Kevin Zeitler is starting to get up in age a little bit, so Voorhees is a name to kind of stash away for now. And uh, one other name to keep an eye on: undrafted free agent Keaton Mitchell, out of Eastern Carol- excuse me out of East Carolina. He does add a speed element to the backfield that the Ravens don't really have right now. If he can find a way to carve a niche role on this team, uh, then again, this offense continues to get more and more exciting. Moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, who held the 23rd pick. This is another one of those situations where this pick didn't surprise me, but it did kind of disappoint me. And the Vikings and the Chargers are kind of put on the same page. It's like, do you want to win or do you just want to pad your <laughs> do you want to pad your quarterback stats? And if so, like what what's the gain for you to lose, to be a losing team, or not not even really a losing team? but a team that's not going anywhere. And we're talking both teams lost in the first round. Uh, I just I just don't understand what the goal is. So the Vikings with a ton of needs throughout the roster, go and get Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of Southern Cal. And, and again, you have a bunch of needs. You don't have a second round pick. So it's not like you can say, oh, we'll, we'll come right back and pick up one of those needs. Why? <laughs> And then, you know, people say, well, you need another receiver to, to replace Adam Thielen. And it's like, well, you know, Adam Thielen was was declining in his role anyway. And yeah, in the passing game, I, I just look at the Vikings team and nothing in me says, you know, you know what the biggest problem with the Vikings team was last year? Passing offense. But uh, obviously they feel otherwise. They felt like they needed to go get a receiver. So they continued to the run on receivers with Jordan Addison. Uh You pair him with Justin Jefferson, you get two excellent route runners. Uh, I think K.J. Osborne, I still think he's underrated. So I really think you have three excellent route runners. Uh, You're doing a lot. You also have T.J. Hawkinson mixed in there. So you got a lot of options in the passing game uh, for Minnesota. But, again, with a lot of other weaknesses on the defensive side of the ball, you can make a case that the offensive line could do some work. I mean, there's just a lot of things you could have done uh, that you didn't do. So uh, just just, – Again not a shocking move but just kind of a disappointing move that uh that's your priority if you're the Minnesota Vikings uh they went they did go and uh, try to snatch up a couple of defensive backs uh, with their next couple of picks but I just again I just think they waited too long to address what should have been a more pressing need as far as I'm concerned uh the Vikings are another team where I just thought they did their best work after the draft of course they get Thayer Thomas uh undrafted free agent a wide receiver out of nc state so you know i love that i do think that thayer thomas uh could have filled in to some degree that adam thielen role of a guy who is not going to blow you away with speed but just going to have good route running the guy's going to find a way to consistently be open seven or eight yards from the line of scrimmage and uh, you know i just thought that, that the vikings made a good move there but didn't need to stress wide receiver early on uh mm-hmm. ivan pace jr is a guy i really like a linebacker out of cincinnati uh, fresh off of a season with 136 tackles, 20 tackles for loss and nine sacks. How you go undrafted after having that kind of season for a pretty solid program, I don't know. But Ivan Pace Jr. is somebody who I'm looking to make the roster and maybe find a big role in the defense early on, even as an undrafted free agent. And the last uh, UDFA I want to mention, Andre Carter II signs with the Vikings, uh, edge rusher out of Army. Uh, early on in the process, and I mean early, early on, going back to like January, Andre Carter II was thought of as being a potential first round pick. And he just had a horrible draft process. He didn't show any kind of explosiveness or burst, had an ugly 40 time. Uh, so all that knocked his stock down. Uh, Andre Carter is going to have to get stronger at the point of attack. There's no question. He's six foot seven, but he does get pushed around more than you'd like to see. So if he can add some more bulk, add some more weight to to his frame and figure out to, a way to be more stout at the point of attack, there are useful traits that Carter has uh, that the Vikings could use. So I thought they made some good moves after the draft. I didn't love what they did during the draft though.
0: Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I know they lost Thielen. Um, KJ Osborne had a good season uh, once they started playing him more and, and, and Cousins actually looked his way. Um, but I don't know if receiver was their number one need. Uh, again, kind of like how we just talked about it with the Chargers. Um, but they take Jordan Addison. I think he'll be a good player. Um, you know, especially when lining up alongside Justin Jefferson, you, you should get a lot of one-on-one coverage. Uh, and, and a very, you saw this trend a lot this year where they were taking guys that were teammates. So they take Jordan Addison, they take Makai Blackman, and then they take Jay Ward, and they take Roy, two LSU, two USC guys, and two LSU guys. So it's just like I don't know, man. It's just it was weird. It was interesting to see this new trend where it feels like they're just taking, they're drafting more and more teammates. Um, not a not a huge fan of their draft. Uh, again, they're they decided to try to get their defense with all their other picks, essentially after um their first pick. Uh, I agree with you with the, with the with the un, undrafted free agents um, but just not a huge fan. Uh, I feel like they wasted their first pick and then they didn't have another pick until the third round. so you know uh, when that happens, you you kind of need to take full advantage of of that first round pick and I feel like um this was more of a we're gonna draft offense so hopefully we can keep getting fans into into the stadium versus, Let's actually try to you know make a winner here. And I know they went thirteen and four, but you lost to the Giants in the first round last year at home, uh, and they completely gassed you on the ground. So going corner and wide receiver with your first two picks just doesn't really make that much sense to me. I know they need a corner. We we talked about that, but still, you also had some work to do on on that front uh, uh, seven, and, and it didn't really happen in my opinion. Um, moving on to uh, the twenty-fourth pick, which uh, the Giants traded up to to get, and I'm very excited that they did, because for the first time in my lifetime, I get to root for a Terp on my professional football team. So, Deontay Banks, corner out of Maryland, was the first pick, and I said on the pre-draft podcast, uh, when Julius drafted Quentin Johnson, I said we need to go with a skill player here. The first pick has to be a wide receiver or a cornerback. Well, four wide receivers went right before us. I <laughs> I was texting Julius during the draft. I said, I hope Jackson Smith and Jigba falls to us. If he doesn't, I want Deontay Banks. So um, it, it, it worked out. I'm very, very happy with this pick. Uh, Schoen and Dayball just, again, I thought they had a good draft last year. Uh, their first round to me was stellar. Then it kind of fell off after that. This year I feel like we just hit on all of our picks uh, this is one of the top drafts for me, not just because I'm a fan of the team, but I really do feel like we got value and we got really good players where we drafted them. Um, again, Deontay Banks, one of my top-rated corners in this in this draft. Uh, he was behind Witherspoon and and Gonzalez, and um, not a play, not as great of a playmaker as Forbes. Forbes, I think, again, is the best playmaking corner in in the entire draft. Um, but Deontay Banks, again, just. He is the only corner that I saw actually shut down Marvin Harrison Jr. last year Um, when when Maryland played Ohio State, and that's one of the reasons why Maryland almost had a chance to beat Ohio State uh, last year. Um, Also a reason that Maryland almost beat Michigan last year because of the defense. So, um, again, I I really like this pick a lot. Uh, And then to move on to the second round to get John Michael Schmitz, uh, we needed offensive line, we needed a center, uh, and I think we got the best center in the draft. So, uh, very, very happy with with this pick. Um, just watching him at Minnesota again, another Big Ten guy. I ju- I just saw how he finished blocks at the center position. Uh, great run blocker, and I and obviously the Giants like to do that. Uh, so I think again this was just a really, uh, I think it was a great value pick where we got him at. So I was happy about that. And then to get Jalen Hyatt in the third round, we had to trade up, but we still—I'm not mad that we did it because again, I wanted a skill position player here, and and they got it with with Jalen Hyatt. Um, I like the Eric Gray pickup in the fifth round. I think it's a fifth round, and you know I think he'll he'll be a good backup running back to Barkley if Barkley comes back and signs. Uh, so yeah, just just a huge fan of this draft. Again, the first three picks, I feel like we got great players for at the value that we picked them. Um, and so I really have nothing bad to say about this draft. And I think we got all positions of needs within the draft as well. So I think this was a, 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 a draft for
1: the, for the giants. I have to agree. Yeah. You you love it when it turns out this way. And yes, there might've been a chance that the giants wanted one of the big four wide receivers, uh, that went in the first round and you know, they went D four picks in front of them, but, uh, Either way, you get Deontay Banks. Uh, That's a position of need. Uh, That was a player who may or may not have necessarily been there. If other teams address their needs, Deontay Banks probably doesn't make it to this point. And you end up with just a super athlete at a position of need. Deontay Banks uh, can run and jump with anybody. You see it play out on the field. He can chase down guys. He can run down the sideline with anybody uh he will battle you at the at the apex to to knock balls away yeah not a big playmaker per se in the sense that he's another one that doesn't chase interceptions like that but as far as somebody who will get in there break up passes and has somebody who has functional speed because sometimes you see guys run a four three five and you're like what he did (laughs) but did you you watch banks run on the field and you're like yeah that's at least four three five so I think it's a great pick for the Giants to address the position of need. And then they doubled down uh, later in the draft. And I think Trey Hawkins, when they get in the sixth round, talking about a six foot two corner with a ton of athleticism as well. I think you got two corners who can step in and be uh, the contributors right away. Deontay Banks, I think will be a starter. Uh, Hawkins, I think we'll have to kind of earn his way. But I think he's somebody we can look at and say, this guy's on the field a lot more than I thought when we picked him up. Uh, you mentioned John Michael Schmitz. Uh, again, I'm, I'm right with you. As good a center as you're going to see in this draft, somebody who just seems to fit the Brian Dayball culture, just a tough, rugged, you know, hard-nosed kind of garbage, pale kind of guy. Like All those cliches uh, seem to fit what Dayball wants and seem to fit what Schmitz brings to the table as a player. So to me, that's just a, an excellent culture fit and again a position of need and then Jalen Hyatt I mean this is somebody who I I would have been willing to to use a late first round pick to get I just can't get out of my mind how Jalen Hyatt destroyed Alabama and I'm all about what do you do when you go against the best competition and what did he do again destroyed it five touchdowns against Alabama when you do that you get my attention. So, you combine that with the athleticism that Hyatt brings to the table. You combine that with the speed. Um, I, I said, you know, in the pre draft process, if you're going to pay Daniel Jones, the least you could do is get him somebody who will show whether or not he can really throw the football. Because last year, his grade had to be incomplete. Because, you know, a lot of passes were incomplete because who are you throwing to? Now you get Jay Hyatt, who can stretch the field. And then, of course, after the draft, <clears throat> I talked about this guy, one of my favorite wide receivers. I don't know why. Somebody's got to explain to me what's wrong with Bryce Ford Wheaton, why he never uh, had a high draft stock, how he goes undrafted. 6'4", 220, runs a sub 4'4", four, four, and was a, he was the go-to guy at West Virginia. In an offense that was kind of broken, he was the go-to guy. He was the guy that they counted on to be the downfield threat. He was the guy that they counted on to make tough catches on the sidelines to keep the chains moving. Uh, he, he he did a lot for that West Virginia offense. Again, not a good West Virginia offense. I just don't understand uh, what what we're doing to let Bryce Ford Wheaton go undrafted. I don't understand how nobody takes a chance on Bryce Ford Wheaton. Uh, but that, over, that overlooking him is going to be a game for the Giants. Even though he's an undrafted free agent, I'm going to say it right now, I'll be shocked if Ford Wheaton doesn't crack that roster.
0: I agree. I, I love that pickup in the undrafted free agents.
1: Yes, sir. So staying pseudo in state since the Giants don't really play in New York, we'll go to Buffalo and the Bills taking Dalton Kincaid with their top pick. Uh, This was another one where I'm not sure that they came into the draft thinking, boy, we have got to get a tight end. I just don't think they anticipated Kincaid being on the board here. Uh, There were some people who had Kincaid as a top 10 overall prospect. I didn't have him that high. Uh, At the same time, I did think that he would go off the board somewhere in the late teens to early 20s. So a a mild surprise to see Kincaid still on the board here. And I think the Bills just said, you know what? Uh, Again, especially with all the top receivers gone, there was a lot of talk of the Bills taking a receiver here. But with the big four gone... I think they just look at Kincaid as a receiver. And so you go ahead and you draft him. You give Josh Allen another weapon. And um, and I think that that's how that went. I, I'm okay with this move, given how the board broke. I still probably would have preferred to go defensive line here just to have extra bodies there, uh, especially for a team like Buffalo, who likes to rotate a lot on the defensive line. But I don't mind this pick. I don't, I don't, I think he can coexist with Dawson uh, with uh, Dawson Knox. So I don't think it's a knock on him. I just think this was a situation where the value was too good in their minds for them to pass up. Uh, they go in the second round. They get Osiris Torrance. That to me, that's an interesting pick. Uh, I wonder what exactly that means because to me, Torrance fits best in more of a run heavy kind of system. He's more of a straight a straight ahead overpower you kind of guy Then he is a kind of a, a quickness kind of guy so i thought he would go to a team you know like atlanta or somebody a team that plans to be run heavy i've heard josh allen say that he wants to kind of be a more traditional quarterback so i don't know if this means a move to a more traditional offense maybe somebody like a davian harris comes in and actually gets the ball as much as a running back should so if that's the case then osiris torrance is a good pick i just think they have to play him to his strengths and his strength is moving people backwards. So if they play to that and use him as a as a run blocker, then I think that could be a quality pick. Again, a lot of people had a first round grade on Osiris Torrance. So to get him at the end of the second round is a good deal. Um again, the Bills are a team that that didn't have a ton of picks, especially early on. But I think a sneaky pick could be Justin Shorter, a six foot four, two hundred and thirty pound receiver out of Florida. He's got the raw skills to go and replace a Gabe Davis. If this team continues to sour on Gabe Davis, I get the feeling uh, that this team is not happy with Gabe Davis and his inconsistency. I felt like they reduced his role last year because they weren't happy uh, with his game to game performance. And now you have somebody like Justin shorter who brings the size. He's not, he doesn't have the fastest time speed, but he does have a knack for getting open down the field. And, you know, you can't go too much by the numbers because he played with, Uh, struggling quarterbacks at times at Florida. Uh, So he's not going to put up great numbers, but again, somebody who's a big, big wide receiver who can get down the field and make plays, I think he's somebody to keep an eye on, somebody who could carve out a secondary or or even a tertiary role in this Bills passing offense.
0: Yeah, the people most upset at the Bills coming up to get Kincaid, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, (laughs) uh, That's who they had to be eyeing as they watched him just plummet down the the draft boards um I think it's a good fit for uh Buffalo that you can do a double two tight end set with Dawson Knox um again I also think Kincaid can kind of split out wide and be a wide receiver he's not going to be a blocking tight end by any means but he definitely has the speed that he can kind of be I don't want to say Travis Kelsey-esque but um again if if we're just trying to make comparisons to who they could be like I think he could get out there and make a lot of catches as in the slot or coming out from the tight end spot. Um, and then, yeah, I was really high on Osiris Torrance. I can't believe he fell all the way to, to as where he did in the second round. But again, I'm with you just an interesting fit. I know they needed, they felt like they needed more linemen. Um, just an interesting, interesting fit. Uh, Cause the bills don't run the ball. I talked about it all last year. Um, mm. And it made me mad because I was like, you draft all these running backs just not to use them. Uh, so that was, that was just an interesting, interesting pick just for scheme purposes. Uh, and then Dorian Williams, obviously as they're trying to replace Tremaine Edmonds, he is not anything like Tremaine Edmonds, but, uh, uh, that's just, you know, that's their attempt in the draft to try and fill a position of need. And then, yeah, I'm with you on, on Justin Shorter and and just their situation at wide receiver, uh, they need someone other than Diggs because, Diggs is not happy with the play calling and what's happening, as you could tell at the end of that playoff game. Um, and and just if you watch the playoffs, this team did not look anything like they did in the regular season. They almost lost to a third-string quarterback with the Dolphins, and then they got beat by at home by the Bengals. So, um, yeah, I, I, I see what they are doing in this draft, um, and we'll see if Kincaid can be as good as everyone, you know, projected him to be coming out of Utah. Uh, moving over to the Dallas Cowboys, um, who probably wish Kincaid was sitting there for him. Um, but Buffalo ju- jumped them to get him, And then they pivoted and with Mozzie Smith. Uh, I know a lot of Cowboy fans are pissed off at this pick. Um, I don't really understand why, uh, I know they think it was a reach, but where they were drafting in the second round, um, if they didn't take him here, he wouldn't have been available for them in with their second pick. Um, and and guess what? The, the weakest part of the Cowboys' defense last year was the run game. So uh, watching him play at Michigan, uh, he stuffed us, and, and Maryland is a good running team, so... Uh, I, I like I like this pick. I think it fills a position of need. Uh, it was the ultimate need pick, in my opinion. I am not mad about it. I think it was really good. Uh, again, I don't think there was a corner sitting here that they wanted. I don't think there, there was a uh, tight end or a wide receiver that they would want. So I I, I like this pick a lot um, to give that defensive line a, a boost. Um, besides Micah Parsons coming off the edge, I think this is a really, really good pick for them, actually. And I think they're going to... Cowboys fans, I think you're going to end up enjoying uh, that you guys took this pick. Um, then, in the second round, they go, again, we're talking about the the trend of teammates. They go Luke Schum- Schumacher out of Michigan tight end. I, I think this was a, a reach for him. I think they were just like, we need a tight end. Um, so, we're going to draft one. Um, I, I just I, I wouldn't have reached this far. And I'm with you. I would have taken Darnell Washington over this guy. Um, oh, yeah. I just don't understand why this was the pick here. Uh, I'm not saying that he's not a good tight end, but I just don't, I just think it, they already have guys like this on their team. Um, then you, you, you come down, you get the inside linebacker from Texas and Overshone, And I like this pick a lot. Uh, and I think again, this is another need pick for them. Um, and, and you know, I'm not mad at their draft because I do feel like they drafted for needs. And I feel like they definitely were very, methodical in their picks again i just think they maybe reached for schoenmacher in the first three picks uh i'll let julius touch on more on on some of their other picks but uh i really do like the mozzie smith i think people overreacted to it because it just wasn't a flashy name or someone that they had on their radar but i think as the season progresses i think they're going to realize how big how much of a difference this this front seven of this defense is going to look with smith in there
1: uh so the mozzie smith pick was one i was torn on on the one hand i think you're absolutely right i don't i don't think he makes the 58 if you don't take him at 26 on the other hand my problem is not so much that they needed to make you know a flashier pick or anything like that i just felt like this draft was pretty deep with big body defensive tackles who just stuffed the run and in the first round I want a more dynamic tackle. Uh, that's why I like the Jalen Carter and Kalijah Kansi types because they those are guys who can live in the backfield. Those kind of defensive tackles, I want them in the first round. If you can live in the backfield and be stout at the point of attack, that's to me when you're a first-round defensive tackle. Mozzie Smith is going to get the job done against the run, but you're going to have to take him off the field in passing situations. So I just felt like there were other hackles in this draft that i looked at and said they can do what mozzie smith does and they're not first round picks so that was my only issue with that but i do agree that this is going to be a situation where mozzie smith will have a positive impact on this team and people will look back and say you know what that wasn't such a bad pick uh luke schoonmaker i'm with you to me as far as i'm concerned and i know some people are comparing him to, to, to dalton schultz to me the Cowboys already have two Luke Schoonmakers on the roster. I I just just don't see what he brings to the table that Ferguson and Hendershot don't. So to me, this was a redundant pick. And it's not to say the is a bad player. It's just to say you already had that. And so I felt like this didn't do anything to add to this roster. That was my problem with this pick. So uh, my first couple of picks, my first couple of, of opinions on Dallas's picks the first two picks they had I just was underwhelmed now DeMarvion Overshawn one of my favorite players in the entire draft so I think that's a great pick I think he represents what the modern linebacker looks like and again people are still getting used to uh, linebackers that are under 230 (laughs) playing in the box but you know as linebackers nowadays you got to be able to cover you got to be able to move around you got to be able to have a lot of range and so this is what Overshawn can do for you. He can add uh, all of that to your defense. So I just, I just love that pick. I think he's one of the more productive players in college. I think he's somebody who you put him next to other good linebackers, and he's really going to shine. So I think that's going to be a, a quality pick for the Cowboys. I do want to highlight uh, Christopher Vaughn II, a.k.a. Deuce Vaughn, uh, five foot five running back out of Kansas State. Of course, uh, he made headlines because his father's a scout for the team. And uh, they showed his father's reaction when he was drafted. That was kind of a neat moment. I do want to say this. You know, people see Vaughn's height in 5'5 five, five and think that he's just the guy who runs around on the edges. I'm, I'm telling you, Vaughn will go up the middle. He will run at bigger players. Now, he's he's very methodical with how he does it. With his lack of height, he can hide behind blockers, literally hide behind them, and then just kind of pop out and hit you with extreme quickness. The guy who's a soccer player growing up. So he has pristine footwork, and you see it on some of his cuts and some of his change of direction ability. So don't think that he's just a guy who has to run to the edge. I'm not saying he's a guy that you give the ball to on fourth and inches, but he will, again, he will go up the middle and be a productive player. He'll find a way to find some creases on the inside of a defense. Uh, Again, the Cowboys are another team. I liked a lot of what they did after the draft than what they did before. So they go ahead and they pick up Hunter Luebke, uh, out of North Dakota State, a fullback. Listed as a fullback, he can be a lead blocker for you, but don't just peg him into one role. Uh, Lupke had 24 total touchdowns over his last two seasons at North Dakota State. So he's somebody who's trusted with high leverage touches of the ball as well. He can give that to you as well as the blocking. Uh, Jalen Moreno Cropper out of Fresno State, a bit undersized, but one of my favorite receivers in this draft. Uh, just a guy who isn't necessarily all that flashy. Uh, He actually timed better in the 40 than I expected, but just a solid receiver uh, who just week in and week out produces. I think he has a chance to make the roster with an uh, underwhelming uh, receiver depth chart. And Isaiah Land is somebody who I touched on, an edge rusher out of Florida A&M, somebody who was very productive, especially in 2021. If you can get that form of him back, you're in really good shape. Uh, You can't have enough You can't have too many pass rushers. I know it's not a huge need for the Cowboys necessarily, but you can't have too many of them. I think Land might be able to carve out a role as a secondary pass rusher on this team. I'd love to see that happen, uh, especially coming out of an HBCU because there just wasn't a lot of HBCU representation in this draft. So Isaiah Land is somebody I'm certainly going to keep an eye on. Moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who... Ended up trading down in this draft. uh, Just a couple of spots. Uh, They end up taking Anton Harrison uh, in the first round. Uh, That's somebody who Patrick had a borderline first round grade on. So Patrick was just about right on with where he belonged in this draft or where he was going to go. Again, he ends up landing with Jacksonville. Again, this is another situation. You've got a young quarterback. You just lost an offensive tackle in Jawan Taylor. Uh, So that kind of ups the urgency. So with that said, it's kind of interesting that they were willing to trade down because if somebody else had taken Anton Harrison, I'm not sure what route Jacksonville would have gone, but uh, it ends up up working out for him. Uh, Anton Harrison is going to have to be a starter right away. Uh, He's one of the more athletic offensive tackles in this draft. Uh, He's somebody who I would have felt a little more comfortable if I didn't have to start him right away. Uh, but I think he's going to be thrown into the fire in Jacksonville, and, and we'll see how he handles it. He certainly has the athleticism to be, to be able to handle it, and if they trust him to protect Trevor Lawrence, then then that means they they like him a lot, so uh, he's definitely a player to keep an eye on. Uh, I didn't see the second pick coming for Jacksonville, Brenton Strange, tight end out of Penn State. Just didn't think that tight end was a real position of need. I know that Evan Ingram is not much of a blocker, so maybe that's what their thought process was. But again, I just feel like that's something that you didn't have to value as a second round pick. I thought there were other needs. I'm um, looking at the secondary, looking at a couple other positions. I just think there were bigger needs than to get a uh, blocking tight end uh, who has decent receiving skills in that spot. Uh, I did like the Cartavius Bigsby pick. Uh, I just think you do need a little assurance uh, for Travis Etienne Jr. They, they plan so much around him that you don't want it all to collapse uh when if, if if something happens to him and i think there's a potential to have both of those players on the field at the same time with the etn being used heavily as a receiver at times uh, it's not really bigsby strength so i think there's opportunity for them to share the field potentially and if that happens uh then you're talking about uh even more value for this pick uh moving on later into the draft they did finally address the secondary with antonio johnson who fell later in the draft than i thought he would Uh, He's somebody I'm keeping an eye on. I think even though uh, he ended up being a fifth-round pick, he's somebody who can emerge as kind of a dark horse candidate to be a starter in the secondary. Uh, They did draft a couple of other defensive backs uh, who may have an opportunity to contribute, uh, Christian Braswell being one of them. Uh, I think he has enough athleticism to get out there and kind of carve his way into a role. Uh, So some interesting picks late in the draft. You saw more of a focus on defense as it moved to uh, the later parts of the draft. Again, a couple other uh, defensive backs picked, but overall it was an interesting draft for the, for the Jaguars ended up with a lot of picks uh, late in the draft. And so uh, they had a lot of darts to throw at the board and see if a couple of them pan out. Uh, But overall, I thought it was a decent, decent draft for the Jaguars. I, I, Didn't think it was the best draft. Thought it was just kind of okay. Considering how many picks they had.
0: Yeah. So uh, Harrison going in the late first round uh, wasn't a surprise to me as I had him going with the 32nd pick uh, to the Steelers, but the Steelers decided to trade up and get Broderick Jones. So it all worked out in the end. Um, Yeah. Yeah. he, he finishes the run really well, and uh, I don't know if he's ready to be a starting left tackle in the NFL, but uh, that's where they're going to put him. So uh, he's, he's definitely going to get thrown to the fire. Um, this draft, the first three picks kind of went how I thought they were going to go, Julius. I know you were kind of shocked that I took Michael Mayer in our mock draft with Jacksonville, a tight end, um, and, mm-hmm. and they went tight end with their second pick after getting a <laughs> tackle. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that they went there, and the reason I said they were going to get Mayer, uh, was because of his blocking ability. Um I know they franchise tagged uh, Ingram, but I just I even said to you, I said I think they're just going to start building around Lawrence even though no one had this team winning the AFC South and the AFC South was just bad, so they won it at 9 and 8. Um I still think this team has a lot to build around. And I understand Lawrence showed flashes in the playoffs and near the end of the season, and you and I both said like this is his year that he needs to show us the flashes that he can be the guy. And, and he did. He finally lived up to all of the bill that he's going to be this great guy, but this team still has a lot to build around to be a serious contender. Um And the only reason they didn't get blown out against Kansas city is because they hurt his ankle, hurt Patrick Mahomes ankle um, in the playoff game. So um I I, I just had a feeling they're just going to try to build this offense up more. And that's exactly what they did with their first three picks. And then, they kind of just took a bunch of flyers in the late rounds on some defensive guys. Uh, so, um, don't like the the second pick. Again, I'm going Darnell Washington. I'm not going Brenton Strange. I just don't understand how some of these tight ends got drafted over Darnell Washington. Maybe I value him too high. Uh, again, but I also agree with you. He's playing with probably the highest-rated tight end to come out of high school, like, ever. Like, I mean, even though Gronk was... Valued high. He still only went in the second round, and I know he had injuries in in college, but he still went to Arizona. It wasn't like he was highly, highly recruited out of high school like the way uh, Bowers is. So I just, I don't, maybe it was playing next to someone that is that highly valued. I don't know. But when when Bowers got hurt, guess who stepped up for that team and the offense didn't miss a beat? Darnell Washington. So I I don't, I don't know, man. I, I just, maybe I just value him too much too i I just don't understand how he got picked over so much um but yeah I, I'm not in love with the Jaguars draft i do I do like anton Harrison I just don't know if he's ready to be a left tackle um day one but with with the injuries and and, and suspensions and everything that's happening with Jacksonville that he's gonna have to he's gonna have to step in into that role and and he is going to play week one so um we'll see if the strange pick works out. Um, again, he is six, four. So he, I mean, he might be a red zone threat, but, um, again, I would have liked Darnell Washington in that pick as well. If they were going to go tight in there, which I had a feeling they would be just because these teams get infatuated with their young quarterbacks and try to build around them. I feel like too much versus trying to make a complete team. Um, moving over to the Cincinnati Bengals. um, they got Miles Murphy with their pick, Joyce, and I think that is a great pickup. Um, I can't believe he he fell down to them, and I'm pretty sure they probably didn't think so either. I don't know if defensive end was really a need for them, but I feel like this was a take-up. The best player available, um, and I wouldn't have been mad if they took Nolan Smith here either, um, but I, I'm not mad at the Miles Murphy pick by any means, and I think that um, it was a great pickup for them. Uh, again, I thought their secondary was a major need when we were talking about the mock draft. And guess what their next two picks were? DJ Turner, who I had them taking because I thought they needed a corner um, out of Michigan. And then they took Jordan Battle out of Alabama, safety. And then I really like their fourth round pick of Charlie Jones out of Purdue. Uh, people probably don't really know him too much and probably are like, oh, another wide receiver, he's not that fast, not that no he's the real deal. Uh, I've watched him play in person and I watched him play uh in the Big Ten and once he got a quarterback that was somewhat competent, he really showed flashes of, of being a really good wide receiver. Um I also like their sixth round pick, the wide receiver out of Princeton, Andre Iosivas, um just I think he I think he has a chance to make the team as well. Um and, and You know, again, he played at Princeton, so people probably didn't get too much uh, notice of him. But uh, again, and then they took a punter out of Michigan, I think, just so DJ Turner would have a a teammate uh, to hang out with. I I don't know what's going on there, but uh, I'm not liking this trend of picking up teammates. I I don't like it. I think it needs to stop. No, I'm joking. But uh, no, I I liked Cincinnati's draft. I think they drafted. I think their first four picks were were all solid, good picks and values where they got them at
1: uh yeah i agree fully i agree fully i think that uh miles murphy by most accounts was a top 20 kind of prospect in this class so even if i wasn't necessarily being looked at that you know defensive end or edge rusher was the biggest need for cincinnati i think this was like, kind of like the buffalo situation they didn't think kincaid would fall that far once he did they went and snagged him i think the same thing with cincinnati they said you know what we might have other needs, but Miles Murphy can certainly help the team. And to get him at this spot, we'll just go ahead and be thankful for, for this blessing and move on to the next round. Uh, they, like you said, they did go and get DJ Turner and Jordan Battle with their next couple of picks. You you called the DJ Turner the Cincinnati deal. Uh, I think one thing that does happen as well that we're seeing is not just pairs of teammates going in the same draft, but we're seeing teams go back uh, to where they just went uh, to get players. So Uh, For example, the Jets, they drafted Brees Hall out of Iowa State last year. They come back and get Will McDonald out of Iowa State this year. Uh, With Philadelphia, we don't even have to get into all the Georgia players they've drafted over the last couple of years. Uh, So a team like Cincinnati, you already have Daxton Hill out of Michigan in that secondary from last year. Now you go and add D.J. Turner to a guy he's familiar uh, with playing with in the secondary. So. I, I do think that that does become a factor to have somebody who's kind of already there. I also talked about it with Chandler Zavala joining uh, Ekan McQuandu and you know, two NC State guys on the same offensive line in Carolina. So I think you are seeing teams really factor that in uh, to have some guys with some familiarity with somebody on the team as they come in. Uh, but again, solid picks. I just I just love what the Bengals did. This is actually one of my favorite drafts overall. Uh, you talked about Charlie Jones. I will say this. I don't think that there's a player in America who benefited from the transfer portal more than Charlie Jones. Uh, Charlie Jones was at Iowa for a few years. I talked about this with Sam LaPorta. Iowa's passing offense, horrendous, unacceptable. Their offense overall just sucked. It was embarrassing, and they have a pretty solid defense, but you know, you can't win games two to nothing every week. Charlie Jones had to leave Iowa to get to a competent quarterback at, at Purdue, and once he did that, he took off over 100 catches right away, about 1,400 yards or so. I uh, had a super productive season, and like you said, yes, he's a white guy. He has some speed to his game. This is not just another uh, Wes Walker, Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola. Now, this is not that type of receiver. This guy can get down the field and make some plays. He can make some plays with deep crossing routes. Uh, so he's he's going to be a nice complementary piece when you've got guys on the outside. Uh, like Chase and Higgins, and uh, you, you know you got Tyler Boyd mixing there as well, so it's going to take some work uh, to get some reps in that uh, wide receiver room, but uh, Charlie Jones proved that he's a quality receiver when he gets the opportunity, and speaking of quality receivers, again, Andre Yoshivas, he was one of my diamonds in the rough last week, I really like him, I really like what it brings to the table, yeah, he went to Princeton, he's a smooth athlete, he's a legitimate athlete, he's a sept athlete or whatever the word is for a guy that does seven events at once so there's a well-rounded all-around athlete well rounded all around athlete will get down the field will make contested catches so a couple of good receivers in the late rounds for cincinnati and chase brown is another player i highlighted i just don't know how somebody this productive who has a solid build who has the measurables i just don't know why he was so overlooked this is a guy who early in the season last year was looked at as a dark horse Heisman candidate. That's how much the ball uh, at a high level, especially early in the season. He had a couple of nagging injuries late, but I just thought he should have gone higher. So Chase Brown, especially for a team that you know wasn't sure how much they were going to be committed to Joe Mixon, uh, I think it's great to have Chase Brown as a fallback option for if and when this team does move on from Mixon, whether it's this year, next year, uh, whenever. Chase Brown is just a name to kind of stash away in your memory banks moving on to the new orleans saints and you know we we talked about how they lost bodies on the defensive line and they needed to do something about losing those bodies on the defensive line uh guys like marcus davenport uh you know guys like David on Yamada. you, you got to replace these guys. These, these are really good, productive players for you. You, you, you had to address the defensive line. I, I, think this, I think these picks they made, they were going to attack the defensive line almost no matter what. And so you go get Brian Brissy in the first round and you immediately follow that up 11 picks later with Isaiah Foskey. So now you've gotten uh, bodies back on both the interior and the edge of your defensive line so i thought it was the right approach i thought they did the best that they could in this situation considering how the board broke um there were other players i would have probably taken over foskey at that spot at defensive end but but foskey would have been a top three choice for me there so i'm not too mad at that i think the the saints had the right approach to this draft and that was the thing i was looking at more than anything with some of these other teams i just want to pad their quarterback stats the saints uh, went and actually addressed needs. Uh, they go and get Kendre Miller. Uh, Kendra Miller, I think. that you, you talk about a tough, tough, tough runner with Kendra Miller. I think that he carves out a role pretty early with the Saints. I'm not sure. We talked about this last year. I'm just not sure what the deal is with Alvin Kamara and his role going forward. I think Kendra Miller has an opportunity to establish himself early, even if Kamara is there. Uh, Miller can certainly be a good early down back in this offense. So he's somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, The Saints did look at offensive line, offensive line depth. Uh, Nick Saldeveria thought was a solid pick. And then later in the draft, not later in the draft, but after the draft, they went and picked up Mark Evans, the second he's out of Arkansas pine bluff. Keep in mind, that's the same college that Taron Armstead went to. So the Saints know how to uh, scout offensive linemen out of Arkansas pine bluff. So, I think that's kind of a neat story. Uh, Mark Evans didn't test well athletically, but I think he's a solid player, especially as a solid power player. I think he might have to move inside at the pro level, but I do think he can carve out a spot uh, at the worst as a swing interior offensive lineman. I am keeping an eye on a couple other players. One, Jake Hainer. He was kind of my quarterback, kind of semi-diamond in the rough. I think he has the potential to eventually supplant Derek Carr. And I'm not talking about this year, but I think that you could see a succession from one Fresno state quarterback to the next, uh, within the next couple of years. I think Jake Hayner has the qualities to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, even if he's just kind of a bridge guy. I think he, uh, will at some point earn some meaningful reps at the quarterback position. And uh, one other UDFA that they picked up, Shaquan Davis. He was one of my diamonds in the rough out of South Carolina State. He is a guy who can just go up and get the ball. Uh, six foot five wide receiver who plays up to his height. Uh, I like the idea of just kind of having him in, if for nothing else, just to throw him some fade routes in the end zone and just let him go up and get the ball. So I thought that was a quality signing as well. And uh, this is a team with questionable depth at the wide receiver position, uh, as far as we're not sure who, who stays and goes in our wide receiver room. So Jaquan Davis and another guy who could carve out a bit of a role with this team.
0: So, um, Brian is a Maryland kid, uh, and he is a piece of shit human being. So I am not excited about this <laughs> first round pick. Um, I also don't like that. Uh, it, it didn't get talked about at all. Like, I, I missed. It, it really did. I missed it. I heard them talking about Jalen Carter and all these things, uh, and they no one talked about his off the field issues. Uh, maybe because it was swept under the rug because he was a highly touted uh, recruit for a smaller Maryland school. Um, but uh, if you're from Maryland, you you have heard the firsthand accounts from people about sexual assault and uh, anal raping, hazing that he did. Uh, and how he used his size to block girls from leaving rooms at parties until they did something to him. So uh, this person is just a—I uh, just don't like how maybe because he is a certain—looks a certain way or fits a certain mold that, you know, uh, doesn't get talked about. But I heard in the entire draft about Jalen Carter's off-the-field issues, and it was never brought up once for this person. So, yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to be someone who who brings it up because if, if you go back a few years, it was talked about in Maryland. I know that. So um, I remember reading it in the news and in the headlines and things like that. So I was kind of happy he didn't come to Maryland because we don't need, we don't need people like that staying home. Uh, but I just don't like how it wasn't talked about at all in the draft. And we kept hearing about other people's off the field issues all the time. So, uh, it does fit a need, though, for this team, Julius. As as we talked about, we needed they needed to go defensive line, and they went two picks uh, heavy. And I'm with you. The Miller pick is definitely a um, Kamara insurance pick because uh, we have no idea what's going to happen with him. He may never play football again. He may play this year. We just have no idea. Um, and then I'm I'm shocked that At Perry fell to the sixth round. I, I think that's a really really good. Uh, you pick for I, I had him going probably third round I, I'm, I'm shocked he fell to the six so I think they'll be happy with that uh pickup especially if he gets on the field behind if Michael Thomas plays and then uh, behind Alave so um no, I think he'll make the team because again that wide receiver room is has bodies but besides Alave we don't know which bodies are going to be on the field so uh, I'm just shocked he fell to the sixth round I'm sure they're going to be happy uh with that pickup Moving to the defending Super Bowl champions, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know I'm a big fan of their second pick, uh, Rashie Rice. I had him. I, I don't know how he fell um, on some draft boards uh, when and being talked about receivers in this draft class. I think he is going to make an immediate impact on this team. Um, I, I'm I'm excited for him. Uh, people had him ranked below A.T. Perry, and Perry went to the sixth round. So I'm glad that uh, someone uh, in, in the Chiefs organization was paying attention uh, to this kid play at SMU because uh, I think he might be the most productive receiver um, just for the situation he's going to. I think it's going to be between him and, and Smith and Jigba. So we'll see. Uh, Zay Flowers, too, she could, could could get a lot of uh, PT in, in Baltimore. But I would not be surprised if Rice... Uh, Puts up some big numbers uh, going to Kansas City. Um, you know, moving down their draft board, uh, their first pick uh, was a defensive end, which I think will pair well with Carl uh, Loftus. And, and they lost, um, you know, Frank Clark, so they needed to put another body on that line. So and Aduke Uzoma from Kansas State. Um, again, I know Julius touched on this in our in our pre-draft. Uh, he he said that he would be borderline first round, high second round. So this is right where he fell into the draft. Um, And then, you know, they get Morris out of Oklahoma, another tackle just to kind of put another body on that offensive line. Uh, Then they went secondary with their fourth round pick. Uh, You know, I don't know if Connor will will get on the field as a rookie, Um, but, you know, I I do like their first three picks in the draft. Um, And I really do think Rice is going to be a big impact player uh, for this team, uh, even in his rookie season.
1: I could not agree with you more. Um, yeah, like you said, I talked about Felix and your DK Uzama being a potential first-round pick, kind of right on that first-round, second-round cusp, exactly where he went. I look at Kansas City and feel like that was a need being addressed. And it's interesting because, you know, you see how different teams function. I, I would have liked to see uh, a receiver there just because I thought it would have been fun to see uh, another dynamic receiver added to this offense, but it's it's interesting to see how teams who don't win, like, like the Chargers and Vikings, you know, went and jumped up for receivers right away and Kansas City, who as far as I'm concerned needed receivers more than the Chargers or the Vikings did, went and just got another edge rusher after they just got one last year at George Koloptis. It's just interesting to see how good teams operate versus how teams that just put up fancy numbers and lose operate. So uh, they get one of the better edge rushers in this class. Uh, Again, for the second year in a row, they pull that off at the end of the first round. And uh, again, I think he's going to help that defense uh, just get that much better. And, you know, we're not used to talking about Kansas City having a good defense, but they're getting closer and closer uh, to having a good defense. And uh, you and I were on the same page the whole time when it came to Rasheed Rice. Uh, This is a guy who will not blow you away with his speed he actually tested a little bit better speed wise than uh, some people expected, but this is a guy who has just got sure hands and just goes up and gets the ball. Uh, he's somebody you can just kind of throw it up to and just leave the rest up to him. And so uh, that's something that outside of Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes hasn't really had the luxury of. So uh, he'll enjoy throwing to Rasheed Rice. There's a little question in my mind about that. i uh, still like to see a little more speed added to the receiver group for Kansas city, but uh Rice, I think, will be a productive, uh reliable receiver. Might not be a go-to receiver, but I think he'll be a, a nice complimentary piece there. I do also like the Juanye Morris pit. Uh, keep in mind uh, the Chiefs did sign Jawan Taylor in the offseason, but they lost both of their starters at tackle. They they lost Orlando Brown Jr. to Cincinnati. So hopefully by now people can stop complaining about Cincinnati's offensive line. And they also lost Andrew Wiley as well. So you lose both your starting tackles. You, you got to come away from this draft with at least one. And they managed to uh, come away with Juan J. Morris uh, probably a little bit more effective in, in pass protection than, than run blocking. But if you're Kansas City, uh, you don't necessarily mind that. So he's a little different. He's not, he's not really comparable to somebody like Orlando Brown Jr., even though they came out of the same college. Uh, but a uh, different, different player. But again, fits a need. And uh, Shamari Connor, I I think that the Chiefs have kind of under the radar, really built up a lot of depth in the secondary. So a lot of young depth in the secondary. But one thing that the Chiefs have shown, especially last year, is they don't mind throwing the young defensive backs into the fire. So if they need Shamari Connor to come and play meaningful, important, clutch snaps, they will not hesitate to do it. So I I think it's a good move. And I think that he's somebody who could find the field very soon. Again, given his athletic profile, I think he's somebody that they would not mind throwing out there and just seeing what they have. In them. they've done it before, I think they'll do it again. Uh, skipping over to what they did at the end of the draft, they go and add Daneric Prince, uh, running back out of Tulsa, who brings a lot of speed to the table. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if he makes the team how they would use him. And I think he might have an opportunity to have a bit of an impact as a kick returner i think there's a slight chance for that uh he could also be looked at as jarek mckinnon insurance maybe with his speed uh but he's somebody i'm keeping an eye on and of course isaiah moore another one guy out of nc state who got a combine invite linebacker and uh, he's he's another one who he's, he's at his best when he's downhill so he's another one that's going to attack the line of scrimmage he doesn't have great speed Uh, Doesn't have the best range, but again, the short area speed is there. He will get inside and make plays at or near the line of scrimmage. So he's somebody who, on this defense, could find a way to carve out a role, or at the very least, again, maybe have impact in in our special teams coverage. Jumping into teams now who didn't have first-round picks, we're going to start with the Los Angeles Rams. And considering that the Rams didn't have a first round pick, the Rams ended up with a lot of picks but for a, for a team that said Efton picks and they didn't have a first round of this year. I was like, you know, especially day three, I'm like, the Rams are on the clock. It seems like every other pit. I thought the Rams made out pretty well in this draft. Uh, their first pick was Steve Avila out of Texas Christian. I had mentioned before he was my favorite interior offensive lineman in this class. Uh, I think he'll end up playing guard, but again, the Rams had a major need. Uh, we talked about the Rams all year long and just how it seemed like every week they had to start a new starting five on the offensive line because somebody was hurt, uh, somebody was coming back from injury, so it just seemed like it was a constant rotation on their offensive line. Uh, so to be able to bring in a guy like Steven Vila, a guy who has uh, good mobility at the, at the position, a guy who can be uh, solid depending on – this is going to be a system foot. It. It's going to matter how you want to use him. I, I like him more when he's on the move. Um, but I think Steven Vila can be a nice pick for this team. Uh, then you go and get a linebacker with tremendous speed, an, an edge rusher in uh, Byron Young out of Tennessee, not to be confused with the Byron Young, the Raiders drafted out of Alabama. Uh, again, edge rusher. The Rams have a lot of needs for a team that was just Super Bowl champions a couple short years ago. It just shows how quickly things can change. But you needed offensive line help. Uh, you got that uh, with a couple different positions. You added Warren McClendon Jr. later in the draft. Uh, you needed help on the edge. You go get Byron Young. Uh, Kobe Turner was another guy who I was surprised didn't make the, uh, the combine as an invite. Uh, but I think he's somebody who you can bring in on the interior, especially in pass rush situations. I think he would be a nice piece there. Uh, you had Stetson Bennett the fourth. I, I was happy to see him go in the fourth round. That's That's about where I thought he belonged. He's a guy that, you know, he had a lot of talent around him at Georgia, uh, but I thought he did a lot of nice things there as well. And to put him in a position where you hope Matthew Stafford can stay healthy and Bennett doesn't have to take the field anytime soon, uh, you you hope that that he, he can uh, kind of develop and end up kind of carving out a pretty solid career, even if it's just a career backup type of thing. Uh, Nick Hampton was one of my favorite edge rushers in this draft. Uh, the production speaks for itself. There's concerns that he's a little small for an edge rusher. I'm not concerned in this era. I uh, know he can get knocked around a bit, but his speed, his quickness will win probably more often than it won't. And so uh, the main thing is you just want to keep him healthy. But but yeah, Nick Hampton's solid player. I think he's somebody who can have an impact, again, even if it's just in a sub-package type of situation. I like uh, Puka Nakua. Uh, wide receiver out of BYU. Again, just uh, just want to keep him healthy. But when he's healthy, he's he's solid. Again, he's not, he's not the most dynamic explosive player, but he's somebody who's always been productive when given the opportunity. Uh, so just a, a lot of players I like here. Uh, Travis Hodges-Tomlinson kind of fell in the draft as his, his size kind of became more of a limiting factor. Uh, he does get more penalties than you'd like. To, he, he's very physical. He tries to make up for his size by kind of Kind of beat you up a little bit, so you'll have to adjust his style. But there's something to work with there. Uh, Jason Taylor the second landed here. A a safety that brings a lot of speed and athleticism to the table. I think he can carve out a role. And then uh, the Rams did go and get a punter out of Wingate. That was interesting. And they did pick up a couple of NC State guys after, uh, including NC State's all-time leading scorer, Christopher Dunn. They did bring in another kicker as well. So Christopher Dunn still got some work to do. Uh, but I think he can beat out Tanner Brown. Uh, the Rams also picked up a new long snapper, the best long snapper in the draft, Alex Ward out of Central Florida. So uh, they, they're they doing a special teams overhaul just like the Patriots are. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Tanner Engel, like I said, some safety out of NC State. bit undersized, but he's, he's going to be feisty. He's not going to let his size stop him. So I hope he can kind of scratch and claw his way onto the team. But uh, like I said, the Rams came away with a lot of picks for a team that I just assumed didn't have as many as they did. And I thought they did a pretty good job overall.
0: Yeah. You touched on a lot of their picks. I'm not going to go over. They had a ton of picks. Uh, they said F them first round picks is what they said. (laughs) Uh, they didn't haven't had a first round pick in like seven years. So, uh, Steve Avila, I, I like him too. I think that was a great pickup for them. And for a team that is in definitely in rebuild mode, which is weird to say after, as you said, winning the Super Bowl two years ago. um, but they finished third in the NFC West. It uh, doesn't look like the 49ers are going anywhere anytime soon. Um, yeah, they, they need a lot. And I like teams, when they when you're in full rebuild mode, I like, I like starting in the trenches personally. And four of their first six picks were offense or defensive linemen. Uh, throw in a Stetson Bennett in there. And as you said, Nick Hampton. So uh, I think Bennett's going to get the starting job by week eight over Matthew Stafford. Um, huh. no, nah, I'm joking. No, no bold prediction. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, unless, unless, unless Stafford goes down, unless his elbow doesn't heal or gets fixed the way it's supposed to, but uh, right, I'm with right. you. I think Bennett probably is going to be kind of like a AJ McCarron type of quarterback, you know, one, won a title, but people just think it was more the talent surrounding them than them. And he'll probably just be a backup quarterback for the most part and maybe come in and do, uh, three or four games a year if the quarterback gets hurt or something, or, or you know, or in blowout games or games that don't mean much. But hopefully, maybe he can prove all the doubters wrong just like he did the first time around at Georgia. So we'll see what happens. You never know when in, in the NFL what's going to happen with the picks. But lots of picks. I'm not going to go over all of them. Uh, Julius touched on a bunch, but I also like the Zach Evans pick in round six, uh, running back out of Ole Miss. I'll be interesting to see if he makes the team uh, since. We know how much they like the running backs they draft. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, moving on to another team that didn't have a pick, uh, the Denver Broncos uh, in the first round uh, because they traded it to Seattle. Uh, they didn't have as many picks as the Rams. They only had five picks in this draft, so this will be a lot quicker and easier to get through. Um, I do like the Marvin Mims pick, uh, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma with their first pick in, in the draft. Um, I think, you know, people... I think, kind of overvalued that wide receiver core last year as it really didn't. And I don't know if it was Russell Wilson, the play calling with Hackett, or what was going on. uh, But it seemed like every play call was Cortland Sutton jump ball. So hopefully adding another receiver will open this up. But I do like the Riley Moss um, pick in the third round, uh, cornerback. Yes uh first white cornerback in the NFL since Jason Seahorn if i can remember correctly i i, I can't think of another one uh but mm-hmm. um but again he he is a athlete and just don't don't let it fool you that he you don't normally see too many white white guys playing corner but um he he's 6-1 and he he has good speed uh i i think he fell to the 3rd round due to the way it just you know people perceive cornerbacks but um I think he could be a productive player for them. And and Denver is normally known for their defense. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get on the field with Sertain already there. But um, I I really do like what they did with their limited amount of picks.
1: Yep, same here. I like what they did with their limited amount of picks. They talk about Marvin Mims Jr. Bit undersized receiver at Oklahoma. But he brings a ton of speed to the table. Uh, A couple years ago, The biggest strength of Russell Wilson's game was throwing that moon ball, throwing that high, deep pass down the field. We saw that pretty much disappear last year. But like you said, with the Broncos receivers, not a whole lot of explosive receivers in there, especially uh, once KJ Hamler got injured. So Marvin Mims Jr. brings back that deep threat. And if there's anything left in Russell Wilson, we'll find out for sure this year. If there's anything left, he ought to be able to find ways to connect down the field with Marvin Mims Jr. Because now you do have that speed element that he missed uh, from his Seattle days. Drew Sanders, uh, one of my favorite linebackers in his class. Uh, A lot of places he's listed as an inside linebacker. Uh, He started his career as a linebacker at at Alabama. Uh, Easy to understand why you can't get on the field as a linebacker at Alabama. Just just might be a little bit of talent there. Uh, So he goes to Arkansas. And he kind of, even though he's this is an inside linebacker, he kind of becomes just more of a rusher. That's where he's at his best. Uh, so I like him as a pass rusher. I don't, I don't necessarily like him hanging around. He can play in space, but I just like him kind of attacking, going at people, being pretty much an edge rusher. I think that's an excellent move uh, for the Broncos. Riley Moss, I think there's some Christian McCaffrey syndrome here, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, With Christian McCaffrey, everybody was in a rush to try to compare him to a white running back. And so people who never saw him play and just saw his appearance wanted to make him the next Danny Woodhead. And they got mad at me when I was comparing him to a better version of Brian Westbrook. And now you see that he's a better version of Brian Westbrook. Uh, So it's kind of the same thing here. Riley Moss. We have not seen a corner in the NFL in what feels like 20 years. Riley Moss is not Jason Sehorn. Riley Moss has legitimate athleticism for anybody of any color. And so it's going to be fascinating to see, because people are going to see him and assume because he's white, he's slow. or because he's white, he can't change direction with most receivers in the league. Ali Moss has some of the best change of direction skills out of any corner in this class. I think he's going to shock some people next year because he's not going to play the way he looks, so to speak. So it's kind of got that kind of reverse stereotype thing going on. And I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. Uh, JL Skinner, a big, powerful safety. Uh, when he's healthy, he can kind of be almost like a Cam Chancellor type of presence, um, almost like a big linebacker. He might even end up moving the linebacker. Who knows? And uh, Alex Forsythe, I did think they found some value there. I thought Forsythe at center, I thought he would go much earlier in the draft. And so for him to fall to the seventh round, late in the seventh round, I thought that was an excellent pickup for uh, denver somebody who if they had drafted him in the fourth or fifth round nobody would have complained and then uh, they did pick up thomas incum and edge rusher out of central michigan after the draft and again he's another rusher who i think uh has a chance to make the team and maybe give you a little bit of contribution on defense speaking of teams that didn't have many picks in this draft uh, some because of trade and some because of, you know, tampering with coaches and quarterbacks. The Miami Dolphins had a grand total of four picks in this draft. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Uh, Cam Smith, corner out of South Carolina, uh, was their top pick. Cam Smith, had he gone in the first round, I wouldn't have been mad. So considering that this team didn't have a first round pick, their second round pick wasn't that high and they had no way to move up. I thought they did well to get a player like this at a position of need. I thought Cam Smith was a top five or six corner in this draft. So to get him at 51, I thought was a bit of a bargain. Thought they made out well there. Now, keep in mind, that was a pretty pretty good South Carolina corner duo with Cam Smith and Darius Rush. So they get they get Smith out of that deal. Thought it was a good move. Uh, they also add Devin A-Chain running back out of Texas A&M. Speed, speed, speed. As, as if this offense needs any more. Uh, keep in mind the kind of running backs they like. They like those running backs that they took over, they brought over from San Francisco. Uh, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., kind of one-cut and and speed kind of runners. Uh, that's what A-Chain is going to be. So we know with Mostert and Wilson, they've both got extensive injury histories. So I think A-Chain fits in well as somebody who can be an insurance policy for them, but also at the same time can kind of do a lot of what they do as well as catch the ball out of the backfield. So I think that's a valuable Uh, piece for this miami offense Uh, other than that they only had a couple other picks they take an oversized receiver out of stanford and elijah higgins they take kind of a a bit of a slightly built by offensive line standards offensive tackle and ryan hayes out of michigan so very brief draft for the dolphins but i thought they made the most out of their second and third round picks
0: yeah you, you you touched on everything um in this draft for Miami. So I'll, I'll just say, I thought they might've gone tight end in this draft with one of their picks, um, or maybe a linebacker. I feel like they needed a little bit more on the defense. I'm not mad at corner because, uh, they had most of their corners hurt last year. You can't really predict injuries, but picking again, as we talked about with most teams, having extra cornerbacks on your team is never a bad thing. Running back in the third round was, it was kind of a shock to me just because like you said, they, they made trades and, and picked up some running backs. um, Again, and, and there were other tight ends on the board that I think would have been in good fits for them here. Uh, but that's why they had so many undrafted free agents. They, they might have had the most out of any team uh, in, in the offseason. but um yeah, Miami had limited picks. I, I feel like two guys are definitely making the team uh, their first two picks and we'll see kind of how uh, the rest of this plays out. but their season's gonna gonna, you know depend on Tua's availability. So hopefully he's healthy. Um, and, and, because he was having a great season before he had the concussions, he was having an MVP-esque season, um, before the injury, so we'll hopefully we can see that too again, And, and if he decides to play, which it sounds like he's going to, hopefully he can just be healthy and safe. Uh, moving on, uh, we'll go with the Cleveland Browns, another team that didn't have a first round pick, um, and they didn't have a pick until the third round, so, um, and the first thing he did was try to get Deshaun Watson another another weapon. So they took the other wide receiver out of Tennessee with uh, Cedric Tillman. So, um, you know, they had two picks in the third, two picks in the fourth, two picks in the fifth. Uh, they took Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a quarterback out of UCLA, in the fifth round. Uh, he His stock went up and down his entire college career. Uh, some people were yeah. like, oh, he's going to be a great – oh, no, he's going to be a terrible. Oh, so going in the fifth round kind of just – um, didn't really surprise me here. Um, but, uh, you know, they went wide receiver and then they went three, uh, linemen, two defensive and one offensive with their next picks. And then they went Dorian Thompson, Robinson, uh, sitting behind Deshaun Watson will probably be the best thing for his career. And, uh, depending on if he does need to come in and play, uh, hopefully, you know, it won't be year one and, and he'll get some development time. Uh, but, you know, again, not not a high rating for for this for this draft. I mean, they got positions of needs in my opinion, um, and and we'll just see if Tillman can add to the Amari Cooper, uh, you know, wide receiver room. He's a tall receiver, so he'll definitely have um, you know in the red zone, and he'll definitely be a big body target for Deshaun Watson to look at. Um, but you know, again, having your first pick in the third round normally is not a great sign for your draft.
1: No, it's it's tough when you have to sit around and do nothing for the first couple of rounds of the draft. Uh, With that said, I thought Cedric Tillman would go probably about 30 picks earlier than he did, to be honest with you. So I thought they made out as well as they could have possibly made out for a team that it felt like the Browns were a receiver or two short uh, in their depth chart. So to get Cedric Tillman here, I think, was the best-case scenario for Cleveland. Uh, Keep in mind, that Tennessee, Tillman was – their number one wide receiver. He got hurt, and that's what allowed uh, Jalen Hyatt to kind of step in and take off the way he did. But uh, the fact that Tillman was kind of the guy over Hyatt for a while lets you know the the potential he has. He's going to be a solid, again, he's not a spectacular athlete or anything, but he's a guy that can go up and get the football. He's a big target that Deshaun Watson will appreciate uh, throwing to him. Again, one of those receivers that give you a bit of a margin of error as a quarterback, as I like to say. Uh, with Siaki Ika, I like that pick as well. And when I talked about Dallas and Mozzie Smith and why I wouldn't have taken them at the spot that they took them, I like a guy like Siaki Ika to do the same thing that Mozzie Smith does, but you got him 70 picks later. So I just thought that the value was way better for two players that in my estimation are pretty comparable players. Ika's a big body guy. Good again. Good luck moving him out of the way. I think he's going to be a perfect fit Uh a starter right away, I think. And somebody who should immediately impact the run. Uh, we got a situation that, that Patrick loves. A couple of Ohio State offensive linemen going together in this draft. DeWan Jones and Luke Weipler. You know, I actually thought that Weipler, to me, was the better prospect over Dewan Jones. I, I just don't like big, oversized offensive tackles who can't move well. And I said this last year about Daniel Falele, and he got drafted about the same uh, range that Dewan Jones went in. DeWan Jones at one point was looked at as a first round, maybe early second round prospect. I never saw it. I just, again, I just don't like guys that are too tall, too big, and can't move. It's just too easy nowadays for these speed rushers to get around somebody like that. It's good that they're overpowering. If they can get their hands on you, they can lock you up and put you away. But if they don't get their hands on you, they become liabilities. So, uh, I think there's going to be some work to, to be done with Jones uh, to make him into a prospect. I'd like to see him kind of slim down a little bit. Uh, but again, with Weifler, I think he has an opportunity to to step in and maybe uh, contribute even before Jones does, even though he was picked a couple of rounds later. Uh, but like you said, it's it's just limiting when you start to draft in the third round. And so uh, all things considered, I thought Cleveland did OK with what they had to work with moving on to another team that waited and waited and waited to get their first pick, the San Francisco 49ers who didn't pick until 87. Uh, That's when they had their first pick. And this draft was a little weird to me. It started out promising. You know, you address safety, most important position in the game and you go and get Jair Brown. I thought he would go a little bit earlier than that. So I thought that was a good get. I'm like, okay, we're, we're off to a good start. We got the right position. We got a good player there. Let's see what else they do. You go kicker. And and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Jake Moody. You know, maybe he will be the best kicker of all time, but I will say this. It seems to me that whenever kickers go exceptionally high, it tends not to go well. I mean, if you want to go back to Sebastian Janikowski, then he had a, certainly a solid career with the Raiders, but... You know, I'm thinking of more recent guys like Mike Nugent or Roberto Aguayo. Like when when, pickers, when kickers go that far up, it just seems to blow up in the team's face. You're already raising eyebrows when you pick a kicker before the fourth or fifth round. And I think that especially is the case when you don't have any picks into the third round. So to go get a kicker, I understand Robbie Gold is 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 old, and, and I'm sure you want a kicker with a stronger leg. I get that. I just thought the third round was rich for a team that, to me, didn't have the luxury to do that. Uh, then you go and get Cameron Latu as a backup tight end. Again, I just felt like that was a luxury pick there, uh, where the 49ers should have been addressing, to me, more pertinent needs. Uh, but the 49ers did double down and take another tight end later on, so maybe they felt like tight end depth uh, was their biggest concern. Uh, looking at their draft, there's just there's just not a whole lot I liked about it. They did get Robert Bill Jr. an edge out of Georgia, and nobody's going to argue about you drafting a Georgia defensive player. I, I do think D. Winters has potential as an off-ball linebacker, uh, given his his range and ability to go chase the ball. But I just thought overall the 49ers approached this draft like a team that had more luxury than they had in reality.
0: Yeah, and the last team we'll talk about tonight because um, we've gone through all the other teams. But uh, I, I just, I do like the Jair Brown pick. I, I think he, I thought he was going to go a little bit higher than he, than where he went. Uh, that seemed to be a theme for a lot of my people. Um, and then Jake Moody, I just don't, you could have got Chad, right? Why do you want Jake Moody? But, um, but yeah, in the, in the third round, I'm with you and, and, and even, um, the Cleveland Browns kicker, uh, that just went recently that went higher in the draft and, and his career started off promising when he kicked a 58 yard game winner. Uh, but then the rest of the there season you. was real rough. Um,
1: yeah, my God, Cade York.
0: Yeah. Cade York. <laughs> um, so I just, I'm with you. I, I don't, I mean, clearly they either Robbie Gould is not playing for them this year or they felt like like they needed to really address kicker cuz to take one in the third round um you're saying you're our guy right you don't take a kicker in the third round if you're not if you're not saying that this is this is our guy um and then after that it, it was just and then you know they take Ronnie Bell just so again teammates could be together um <laughs> i just don't i just don't get i yeah i don't I, you know I know they went 13 and four and I know they, you know, with all their injuries, to the quarterback and Brock Purdy coming in as a, as Mr. Irrelevant and they still won games and still made it to the NFC championship game. Um, yeah, I just, I felt like this draft was more of like, we're just going to draft some guys and hope they pan out versus like, let's do our due diligence. And, and, and you know what, but Lynch and, and, Shanahan have done a great job of building this team. So I'm not going to question too much of what they do. um, I am interested in one of their uh, undrafted free agents. Not one of them, but the one that I'm most interested in is is Avery Young, a DB out of Rutgers. He's a bigger, more physical uh, corner, uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he actually makes the team, because um, you know their corner depth was brought into question last year, uh, and um, and they lost you know Ward to Houston. So um, it'll be interesting if he if he can make the team. He's a, he's a bigger uh, a corner. He had a lot of forced fumbles in college. Uh, he led the Big Ten and forced fumbles one of the one of the years that he played. So he's just a bigger corner. So it'll be interesting to see if 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 he kind of fits what San Francisco is trying to do on on the defensive side of the ball. And that's going to wrap up our uh, twenty twenty three NFL draft coverage. Uh, we're excited for the season, and we'll see if there's any more trades or free agent pickups or cuts or anything that happens in spree training. Injuries always happen too, so. Uh, we'll keep an eye out on that. And again, congratulations, to Lamar Jackson, for getting that deal done. And as always, uh, hit us up at Two Guys Four Balls Podcast. That's two, the number two guys, number four balls podcast. And that's gonna be on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can reach out to us in our inbox, DM us, uh, ask any questions, post on our, post on our Facebook page, and, and we'll uh, get to them in the podcast. So again, we appreciate y'all listening. Thank you for listening to the Two Guys Four Balls podcast.